0: Thank you. Everybody, welcome to We've Got Ward, a Doof Media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss Ward, while Wildbow's return to the world of parahumans. My name is Matt Freeman, and this is the one where Parian's power is revealed.
1: That's it. That's that's the intro.
0: Her power—it's in this one. Finally,
1: we're not going to. Do you like a joke or
0: skin makes sense, right? Remember when Leviathan immediately targeted her when she was starting to use leather in her dolls? It was right there all along.
1: This is the weekly podcast where Matt and I eagerly dive into Wild Bo's world of skin, hair, and alien-based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial this week on the show all that radiation is starting to really do some damage as we explore the nuclear reactor that is chapters 18.6 and 18.7 the heroes continue to fight against the titans desperately trying to prevent con- connections when all seems lost and the heroes retreat in exhaustion tattletale asks for one more push one more skin powered push then Victoria takes a quick dip into Shardland, which surely will have no permanent consequences whatsoever, and then lays the proverbial smackdown on Shortcut. Plays with some puppies and has a nice chat with her uncle. Then her hair starts to fall out. Consequences, consequences Matt, what do you think of these two chapters?
0: Um, I mean, things are things are fucking crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, w- we've got just sort of push, putting the pressure on Victoria to the point where she's melting down and has us wondering things like, is this actually Victoria even anymore? Um, there's been a lot of, been a lot of discussing about what exactly is going on with Victoria. In, in, yeah. In, in these chapters, particularly this last one. And and um,
1: I, I think that the text is inviting you to start asking those questions because it's, 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 it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Um, what's going on, what's going on with Victoria? Like, we kind of these chapters we finish up the fighting and then we do we have this and we have this the second 18.7 which is this very very strange chapter it's a chapter that i think we're going to talk about as we get through it but it's a chapter that very closely mirrors a lot of the structural beats of the very first arc of this book the thing yeah. the ways in which the um the the movement through this chapter in particular is very close to um to what Victoria went through. Like and we'll talk we'll, we'll hit those as we go. And yeah. that's that's interesting. Like because like I noticed that and then I was like, huh, interesting. But but why? <laughs>
2: but
0: yeah. why? Yeah. Hopefully we can we can figure something something out. Uh but there's definitely definitely a lot of really bizarre stuff happening in that chapter. And uh we're gonna talk for a while about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we move on into these chapters, though, we do have an announcement. Um, so Doof Partner uh, uh, Do the Right Thing podcast, the writing prop podcast, is is um, hosting a Doof the Right Thing writing contest, <laughs> um, and uh, basically the rules are going to be listed in a link that you can probably find somewhere on the page that you're on. Um, but but basically you take one quarter worth of do the right thing story prompts and um you, you can use the words from somewhere in that quarter to um write a story for this for this contest and there's prize money and I did not do a good job describing the contest right then but it's not that complicated. Just go look at the uh at the at the thing if you're interested in participating in a writing contest. Yes,
2: the
1: thing. The thing.
0: Surely you can do a better job writing than I just did talking so That should give you uh, not like it's your job or anything. Yeah, totally. Um,
1: So, yeah, I mean, this is a really fun idea that both you and Matias from Do the Right Thing had. Uh, I love this. Like, we've always really enjoyed the contest we've done, but we've only ever done like drawing based art contests and not writing, which is kind of ironic because we love writing so much. Right. Um, and so this was a really great way to to honor some writers out there that are in our community. And I love these contests. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Like Matt said, check out the link in the show notes or on the website or wherever you want. Uh, all the details will be there. If you're confused about anything, uh, there's an email in that um, in that those rules and you can send a question.
0: And, yeah, there you and go. They'll answer it. Yeah, and next week I'll have written out like a better thing to say here instead of just what what I just said. Yeah, cuz I don't right.
1: even know when it's due, honestly.
0: Um When's it's the contest. <laughs> it ends um uh moving on into the chapters. <laughs> that that's all on the page, okay? I don't, I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember it. Of course. All right, chapter 18.6, and we begin this chapter with this amazing vignette of Flower of the hecatome. Uh, fighting valiantly to protect the artillery line of Capes, only to make a misstep by moving to protect one group that didn't need protecting, leaving exposed the other flank, which is then pulverized by oberon Ultimately, the mistake was made because of a combination of exhaustion and inability to communicate with ex Nihilo, the tinker who was handling the other flank. So basically, themes.
1: Yeah, you hinted at this in our conversation last week, right? How one of the things we're seeing amongst the Capes in this battle is a breakdown of communications and I think through exhaustion, but it's just also like the natural limits of the way we communicate, which I think is very different from the ways in which the Titans are seeming to communicate with each other. Right. They have these connections and they are able to communicate and organize almost just like thinking humans. We have these pesky mouths and words and those kind of suck sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 like this is a great example of that at the opening of this chapter, um, how how that lack of communication, how that breakdown of communication. I think both of these two people are like from different um, dimensions and yeah. don't even speak the <laughs> same languages.
0: Right. I thought that that felt very important. Right. This idea that, you know, we, we've met maybe zero to very few of these characters from other dimensions. Presumably there are more than more than just two um, that that Kefri picked up and didn't send back and the fact that we're meeting two of them here and they're both put on the two the two ends of the flank it's like this metaphor for um you know we're trying to cover our bases but the but our fundamental our fundamental flaw our fundamental error is an inability to be on the same page our inability to communicate and these miscommunications even between these really well-meaning people uh, are fatal
1: yeah and it, it all adds up to this feeling of how how can we win? How can we win this thing when just one little breakdown of communication here, just like a half a second? She just just one person not in, in, in a place where they thought they were going to help, but actually they should have been another place. And then 20 people dead. Um, yeah, it's so tragic. And I, I love I love the way the text reinforces the horror of this moment, because like Victoria is talking about how um, the group has been getting help from Gunnery Ann and then switches to. Had been getting help from gunnery Ann had added range to all abilities had translated had offered a constant barrage Oberon hadn't even turned ta- hadn't even had to turn his head to look and it's this this moment of just almost indifference from the per thing you're fighting against leading to this horribly tragic event. And the repetition of the word had, the repetition of that past tense, like we see, we read that line before we actually see what happened. Like it does that first and then we see what Oberon actually did. And I just think that's powerful. Like that that just reinforces and re- emphasizes the, the moment, the, the tragedy of the moment.
0: It's such a like defeatist way of phrasing it. Like it's it's so, it really gets, ties into this moment later on today where Victoria's basically Almost completely, completely giving into this idea that this is the new status quo, which is something where uh, prior to this point she's always been like, no, fuck that, no, yeah, yeah. not gonna accept that, and 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 just th- this this kind of like litany of, yep, we 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 lost that, it was a mistake, it it you know, the I I agree the the repetition of had it's it's so like like you know it's gonna be something terrible right before she even says over oh, and crush all these people you're like. Oh, oh no, yeah, exactly <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cool,
1: yeah, I love that, and I love what you said about how it reflects Victoria in some ways giving up because mm. that's that's literally what we see, like last week, we had that moment where Tattletale told her the reality of the situation, and even then she was still like, "No, no, and yeah. we see throughout this chapter her get to a place of. Yeah, may, she says maybe this is the status quo now. She admits that to herself, um, and it, it's powerful.
0: Yeah. So um, so one thing that I think that we're going to be tracking over um, the course of these two chapters will be Victoria sort of coming apart internally, and I mean that in both the coll- colloquial sense of the word, like she's, she's losing hope, she's freaking out, she's past her breaking point, and in the literal sense of like, Splitting like she's she's contradicting she, she's yeah contradicting herself like like in this moment um in re, in response to flower of the hecatomb's mistake she both wants to give hecatomb a hug and to scream at her um which I think is maybe kind of how Victoria feels towards herself right now too
1: yeah I, I agree a hundred percent and she's it's almost as if she's two minds about everything right um, yeah uh huh. And I, I agree that this is a trend that we see throughout this chapter. And I think it kind of carries over into the next chapter a little bit. But yeah, this 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 moment of I'm feeling both these things simultaneously. And that, of course, people do that all the time. Right. Like I, I was kind of being <laughs> facetious when I was like, oh, it definitely means we're there's both sides of them. I think people have contradictory feelings all the time. But the the part of this that I think is unique is that she's unable to or just doesn't have time to actually process what that means. Like she says here, I didn't make a call on exactly what to feel because I had shit to do with no resolution made that feeling sat heavy on my chest. Like all I, all I had was the common element between the two contradictory impulses. So like, not only do you have these contradictory feelings that pop into your head, but you can't even process them. You can't even decide which one is the way I actually feel, which is kind of a funny way to process emotions because I don't think we actually do that. Right. I don't think, We actually like if I have two contradictory thoughts that pop into my head, my body consciously goes, but it's this one. Right. (laughs) That just kind of happens normally.
0: I mean, yeah, I think often what happens is we feel sensations and then we put a label on those. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, one one like one of the most powerful tricks I ever learned for public speaking was to reconceptualize nervousness as excitement. It's like, yeah, it feels pretty much the same. Right. Just, sure. But you totally change your attitude toward it by changing the label you put on it. Yeah. Um, which I I think I think you can do for a lot of stuff. But yeah, just to kind of like say out loud, I think what you were hinting at, there's a suggestion that a lot of the stuff that she's thinking in these chapters is actually waste's thoughts leaking in. That's one. That's one idea, right? That's one possibility. Yeah. And and that could literally be what's happening. And I think as we've said before, the fun thing about genre fiction is that that could be what's happening, but that also serves perfectly well as a metaphor for what happens when you're put under extraordinary amounts of stress. You you, you are sort of in that place where you, you're going to have internally contradictory reactions and you're going to have to move on before you can even parse what they mean.
1: Yeah, and and I think one of the things – I think it would be a mistake – To start looking at individual lines and saying, that's waste, that's Victoria, that's waste, that's Victoria. I think one of the things the book has tried to reinforce over and over and over again, especially through Tattletail, is you can't parse this out like that. You Mm. have to look at it holistically. It's not that's waste and that's Victoria. That's waste, Victoria. That's waste, Victoria. Like if if there is a, a melding happening here, it is happening on a level at which the thoughts are becoming indistinguishable from each other yeah and that's interesting
0: yeah I think that makes a lot more sense right you can say something doesn't sound like Victoria but that doesn't mean that you're saying therefore it's waste injecting this thought into your head sure it's kind a change like
1: it's still a change in character but not not to that extent yeah
0: yeah so damsel and foil tag team Oberyn, uh somehow both uh, basically flying around using a combination of boosts from Victoria slingshots from Sveta and uh, dancing on missiles <laughs> Solar Stair is using her solar blast uh to blast Oberon, which annoys Victoria because her, uh Solar Stair's power has side effects on anybody nearby which she doesn't like. Gundeck, a new fan favorite, pounds Titan Scotty with military-inspired tinker weapons. A lot of this chapter is basically just uh parahumans unleashed where we just see the full destructive capabilities of all these heavy hitters.
1: Yeah, but it it's just anime. <laughs> I can close my eyes and just think of it as one of those good animes, you know, not the yeah. bad ones, those yeah. good ones.
0: Sure, sure. I, kn- I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: um, but I, I, I do think it is important what you said that we see a ticked off Victoria here again. Um, uh, I just forgot. Solar Stare is just annoying her, annoying Victoria through her use of power. Um, and I, I think, is is there is it Solar Stare or is it one of the other capes where she's like, um, if this, per- if she didn't have someone else around her on her team, I would be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like if there wasn't someone else vouching for her, I would have yeah. been like, you need to just leave. I, I think I'm not basically, sure Solar Stare. I can't remember. Well, but- I think
0: what she said about Solar Stare was like, I would have told her to fuck off except the wardens seem to think that she was contributing or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, because I I mean, it's interesting cause like almost nobody really seems to be able to do much meaningful damage. And Solar Seer does have this very impressive beam attack. Um, it's just that it also kind of like blinds everyone afterwards. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and part of that is we're seeing once again that lack of communication, right? That like in, in a perfect world where every one of these heroes is in sync with each other, that stops being a a drawback to the power because we know it's coming, we can react to it, we can plan around it, we can strategize around it, but that's not what's happening right now.
0: Right, right yeah um yeah
1: i do i do have this one moment and i want to talk to you about this because i really like it there's this moment where as victoria is carting around foil um she looks down and sees that place where oberon just wiped out all those capes and basically says if i hadn't run out of ammo or I, I ran out of ammo, so if you hadn't picked me up, if you hadn't given me an, another weapon, if you hadn't taken me here, I would have been down there. I would have been killed, I'd be dead um and i i this is this is a really important, fascinating moment, and I think it kind of ties into our discussion question from last week around how do you set the, How does wild set the stakes in his battle? This battle is so intense. There are thousands of things happening at once, but the fact that we take the time out of this, it's not just jumping across missiles. That's not all we see foil doing. It's not just cool, badass moments of action. We take the time amidst this, this scope of this action to have this tiny beat of character moment, this tiny beat where we let a character look at death and say, that could have been me and just deal with that. Just just sit with that for a minute. It doesn't go anywhere really. Like I mean, it goes somewhere long term over the arc of this character, but it doesn't move the plot forward in any kind of specific way. It's just a moment of where we just let this beat play out. And I think it's so important and 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 adds to the way these battles feel that these moments are allowed to play out there it's a we're allowed to feel the emotion of that we're not just going from giant set piece to missile jump to giant guns we we have these these quieter beats in between each and every one of those
0: yeah right if you if you took out stuff like this and like victoria's interaction with pitch hitter later uh switch hitter sorry um it becomes much less, right? becomes mm-hmm. much lesser than it than, than it is,
1: and it wouldn't change the the outcome of the story. It wouldn't change the direction of the plot at all, but yeah. it would change the feeling of it, the tone of it, the 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 emotion of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think again, while losing multiple things at once here, because not only is this a very effective moment in and of itself, but it is kind of rooting us in foil for a second, so that we find it. She's she's kind of fresh in our mind. She's kind of in our you know, our, our RAM, uh, rather than our hard disk. <laughs> um, so that when actual plot stuff happens involving her in a little bit, uh, we're kind of primed for that. And I think that's something that wow, very often does where like, you know, if, you know, like if, uh, if Gru, if Gru was going to suddenly show up in this battle, we would have heard from imp many times prior to that point. Right. He, he he would have like remind like 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 he would have rooted us in that character so that we would be ready to f- feel what she was feeling in that moment. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I do know what you mean because a lot of a lot of this chapter is, in essence, building up to the moment of parian's true power. Yeah. Um. So every interaction with Foil does is another link on that chain. I think you're right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we also learn a bit about Team, uh, T-E-E-M, a guy with (laughs) a very checkered past who creates a a shitload of of little shitty master minions. And Victoria does not like him.
1: Yeah, we kind of have a little mini arc with this guy, right? We paint him at the start as this victoria describes him as a jackass cape yeah (laughs) he's reluctant to commit to anything um he in the past has tried out both hero and villain um and we see that kind of reluctance reflected in how he's fighting here he's circling around he's looking for opportunities not really diving right into the thick of things um and there's a definite feeling of i don't like this guy i think she decides like i'll keep him alive like after like weighing the options of like, you know, jackass, but oh, I'll keep him alive. And by the end of this chapter, I think at least my opinion on him has dramatically changed. We don't really get to see if Victoria is, but he's definitely not that type of person we see by the end of of this chapter.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think one thing you can say about Victoria, whether you agree with her or not, is that she is prone to these snap judgments based on kind of classifying people. Yeah. Like just the idea of classifying him as like, oh, yeah, this is this is his backstory. He's one of these jackass capes. She kind of puts people in a box um, and then it's kind of hard for her to update that box. Yeah, Although not impossible, not like, impossible. There's she's just plenty it. of instances where she has. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one instance where this dude uh, got put in a box pretty quickly. I wonder if I wonder if we're supposed to feel like Victoria has also kind of softened up on him because she I mean, she's the one who notices for us that he was still on the battlefield.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we are from her perspective, so she did Mm. notice it. We just don't, we don't see a specific moment of, uh, Oh, Hey, maybe he's not quite such a jackass. True.
0: True. Yeah, that's true. So Victoria checks in on the team and sees that Tristan has been keeping damaged buildings short up and rain has been doing first aid because his powers are still knocked out. And of course, Svet has been swinging around helping damsel basically.
1: Yeah. And, and I like that. We, take the time to check in on each one of these people it's kind of it's so weird to me i mean it makes perfect logical sense that every one of these people has a different role in this fight so they're really not going to be like hanging out together but i just remember after the loneliness of being apart from her team all last arc that she's out on the field with her team now but not actually with them you know
0: yeah like like no one is really working together you know yeah no kenzie's elsewhere um, you don't get the sense that they're fighting as a team at all. She's, she's just doing this brawler, take, take the fight to the enemy thing. And, and yeah. there's almost, I mean, there's really no teamwork. Uh, okay, that's not true, because eventually she starts flying around and rescuing people. But um, when she's on the offense, it seems like she's just attacking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, one setup that we don't see paid off in this particular pair of chapters is uh, the message from Kinsey uh, telling Victoria that dragon wants help.
1: Yeah, it does not pay off in these chapters, but it is that beat is hit enough times where you start to think, oh, so this is something important. We get one beat here, we get two beats of this in the next chapter, and it's starting to you're starting to to kind of come to terms like this help, what she needs, what dragon needs from Victoria is something significant, obviously.
0: Right, and, and it's really interesting because I was thinking about it, and I was like, "What help could Victoria be to yeah. the dragon?" Like, like because right. Kenzie says something about like calibrations and tolerances or something. I didn't write it down, but but I'm like, why? <laughs> right, and and, and almost like, I almost wonder if that's not even true, and and she really just wants her for some other reason that she can't talk about. It's really, it's really kind of uh, a mystery that's been nagging at me. I really can't wait to figure out what that is. I mean, Victoria
1: suspects it's Kenzie related, but mm-hmm. um. We don't have really have any evidence to support that um, Mm -hmm. outside the fact that Kenzie and Dragon have been known to to hang out together.
0: Yeah, true. Um,
1: I mean, in in my opinion, like anytime it's like, what do I need Victoria for specifically? It's going to do a shard world because that is the one area of expertise um, that Victoria Definitely, absolutely, 100 percent has over most of the other people in especially in the warden's organization. I mean, that's why they asked her to get, to be the one to give the overview of the area. So that's what my head jumped to. But I don't know what specifically. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I agree that it's probably something that more to do with information than it is to do with like powers or, or whatever. Mm hmm. So uh, next we get another beat of Perian working herself up. So first in the background, almost we saw that she was using leather puppets and, and foil says leather is her best material. Which <laughs> what's um,
1: what's leather made out of?
0: What is leather made of? Yeah, uh, and then now she's using <laughs> costumes stripped from the dead uh, as a as a source of cloth, which is which is kind of another line being crossed, right?
1: Yeah. I- And so full disclosure, by the time I got to the point where I was reading this chapter, I was aware already going into it that this would be the Parian's Power is Revealed chapter, which we will talk about more later. But because of that, both of the times I read this, I was paying very close attention to what Wildbow is doing to kind of build to that moment. It's a big moment within the story. It's a big moment external to the story, and it needs the proper build And I think I think we kind of touched on this already, but I think the story is doing a really nice thing here, like where we're watching Perian kind of get pushed further and further and further. She runs out of regular material. She switches to leather. She running out of leather. She's she's stripping clothes from the dead to use them. Um, And it's just we're pushing if there's a line in the sand, we're just she's slowly getting dragged closer and closer to that line by the Titans. And even if you didn't know that the this was going to pay off by the end of the chapter, I think you would feel that that pull you would the text makes it clear enough that you feel that pull to something uh, and I was wondering i mean you probably read it before we knew that. Did you have that reaction? Did you have that feeling that before it was revealed that she was being pulled to something, regardless of what it ended up being
0: uh well, so my particular place with respect to this reveal was that um uh beloved community artist cyrix had um told me the the true power months and months and months ago what (laughs) um and uh they had asked they asked me not to tell anyone else that was kind of part of the deal um because you didn't even
1: tell me you didn't even tell me
0: I think I may have, and then and and see my my recollection was that I told you, and you you were just like whatever. I don't I don't want to know. I want to find out in the course of the story. And then, <laughs> I and then, literally don't remember. And this then you at forgot all. about this. Apparently, which is, <laughs> which is which is which is pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, so I so I knew I knew that, and and in fact, when the leather thing was brought up, I knew that it was going to happen in this chapter because one of the main pieces of evidence for. Um, knowing that her power is skin was that the one time we see her use leather in worm is when she's fighting leviathan she uses leather uh, in her creations and then leviathan immediately attacks her but one of the things that happens is like she uses a leather doll and like the the concrete uh, sidewalk like Crushes and shatters under the foot of her puppet, and that like that that's unusual. That never happens. So, like basically implying like, oh, this is a much stronger puppet than usual. Hmm. And so that's that that to me, I've, I've always been primed on, on leather with Parian. So, uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it's going to happen in this chapter. Um, so I was I was I was reading it in that in that particular light. Um, should
1: we? Uh, this is a weird thing where like most of the people probably listening to this the day it's going to come out are aware of these kind of things, but maybe we should pretend that. a person 10 years from now is listening to this um, and might not be aware of the conversations in the community.
0: Sure. The idea that uh, what Parian's true power has is, has been a massive community mystery and meme for years at this point. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That right there. People, people might not know that. So I think that's important. And here's, we're kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but that's fine. We do that all the time. I think the reason this works is because it's not just like a cheap, um. hey, look, community, you finally f- know now. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. It matters within the story, too. And, and I think that's that's one of the things that these books do really well is when it's some big, powerful, like meta question answered moment, it always has dramatic stakes within the episode within the 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 story itself right. like this matters because it, it's it's a reflection of uh Perian's journey as a human being and the things that she's been the pre- per- person she's been trying to be and the person she ends up continually being pushed into and how that relates to her relationship with Foyle that is very human it is very personal it is very relationship based it is not it is that is what it is at its core the rest of this is cool for the the community to deal with. And that's kind of why when I think of something like the sleeper, which is one of our other big unanswered questions, that's why I'm much more indifferent to that, because I can't see a way to easily connect that back to the human element to where I suddenly care about who the sleeper is, where this I cared about this reveal because it says something about Parian and Foil and their relationship. And look, I, this sleeper could come in and be awesome and be personal and have stakes and tie into everything perfectly. At this point, I'm willing to believe that Wild Bo can do just about anything he wants with any of these characters and make make it work. So I'm not saying that's impossible, but I think that is a much further stretch than this. And that's why I thought this was fantastic.
0: Sure. I mean, just imagine how like hollow this would have felt if it if it was just like and then there was a, a fucking badass moment where Perrin used the, the skin doll and it was awesome like it's not supposed to feel awesome I mean no. it, it, it kind of feels awesome but it also feels miserable because Perrin's like crying as she does this and Foil's horrified and 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 it's just it's just sad it's just this sad tragic and and brutal moment basically and and yeah the silver lining is she gets a Badass puppet that can wrestle a titan to the ground. But um, a lot of mixed feelings, right? It's horror-awesome. It's, horror awesome. it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. classic horror-awesome.
1: I agree. I agree. So, um, But we're
0: not quite there yet, though. No, so we jumped ahead
2: a little
1: bit.
0: We are going to get back to that, though. So Victoria tries to give some support to Switch Hitter, who is lonely and freaked out, much like Victoria is. Um, Switch Hitter is a Simpsons fan, and thus my new favorite character.
1: Okay, but is that really... <laughs> Like I agree with you, it's it's so close to the Simpsons reference. But is it- I
0: mean, I it did force me to go on a tangent about whether like people from Earth Bet watched the Simpsons or like <laughs> or, or, or like whether the Simpsons would have been different or did they get episodes of the Simpsons from Aleph? It was re- like I, I I I am not joke. This is not a joke. This is not a bit. This- I actually was distracted for a minute thinking about the implications of. of of a character saying a Simpsons quote and, and and then I got over it. Um, This is such
1: a classic Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, For
0: the record, I love the Simpsons. So
1: I, we both love the Simpsons. Yes. And I love, like I used this scene as my opening GIF on one of my uh, one of my radiation library chapters from <laughs> earlier in the thing, because I was like, whenever I think of radiation, I think of radioactive man. Absolutely. And whenever I think of radioactive man, I think of my eyes, yeah, the, goggles, the goggles. They, they do, do nothing. Do nothing.
0: <laughs> yes, it's, it's so good. Um, but yeah, uh, switch hitter. She's been fighting like hell, uh, and she also seems to be in denial that her whole team probably just got squashed.
1: Yeah, I. Um, wow, this switch hitter one of my favorite characters. Like it, it is amazing how quickly this book can make you absolutely fall in love with the character that you just met. Um, She's exhausted. She's so disheartened. She's so scared. And yet Victoria is like, come on, I'm going to get you out of here. And she's like, well, who would replace me? Well, nobody I was like, mm-hmm. no, I can't leave. Yeah. And uh, like, it's just, you are immediately endeared to this person who is basically having a breakdown. Like they're, they're breaking down in front of our eyes and, I, I love her so so much.
0: Yeah, and and of course, worth pointing out that her rhetoric she's using is like exactly what Victoria would say. She's yeah, the, who's who's going to replace me? I, I then the, no, I can't leave. Yeah, know? yeah. So uh, here we have what I think is a very interesting moment as Victoria is is mostly experiencing like anger, impatience, and frustration with this poor woman. Um and i think this in itself tells us how poorly victoria's doing she eventually shakes it off and she actually wonders what came over her uh she actually literally wonders in the text if the gas somehow had this effect on her and made her behave this way <laughs> yeah um but then a bit later she acknowledges that she's just exhausted and hopeless and that's that's all her it, it's just that she's kind of emotionally all over the place right now um like like so you know just kind of describing her kind of ongoing breakdown and dissociation after she picks hitter up she thinks that she can barely feel her own breathing and then later she messes up hitters preferred name which is really out of character for victoria
1: yeah i mean another instance of victoria messing up names and Mm -hmm. we even know from a couple chapters ago where she says i I pride myself on my ability to get those right and Mm -hmm. she calls her switch she says i'd prefer hitter she says okay and then she calls her switch again later yeah Um, yeah I, I, I this is another instance of Victoria kind of being divided in half about something, right? Yeah. This anger and frustration in the middle of giving her a hug. And I think it's especially effective at this point. Because we have spent so much time establishing switch hitter, like we spent this time to establish her as this person who's exhausted, like falling apart, losing it, and yet is still staying out here, is still fighting, is still swinging that bat exhaustedly. Um, and then we have this moment of Victoria is like mad at her Mm -hmm. and it's so off putting, right? It's such a, like we, we, we've just, the book has just endeared us to this character. And then we see our, our protagonists go like, Oh, I'm so mad at them. And you're just like, what? Like that, that, that contrast, like kind of throws you back a little bit. And I think it's kind of designed that way. And I think a reflection of that is how. Surprised, Victoria is of it as well. Like, mm. it's not just us. Victoria, like, she describes it as finding a strange and angry dog in the same room as me when it suddenly snarled, right? Like, which is an interesting way of kind of externalizing the anger. Like, it's almost as if she doesn't even see it coming from her. It's just something else that's in her um, and, and suddenly sparks up and she's like, whoa.
0: Yeah. And it is tempting to, to lay this at the feet of waste, but I, I really... I mean, it could be partly waste. Probably is partly waste. Everything's partly waste. But but I really think this is mostly, in my opinion, just mostly exhaustion and just this incredible level of frustration. Yeah, I agree. that like we like like we're relying on you. We need you to be here, and you're falling apart. And this is frustrating. And it's also frustrating to Victoria that she herself is falling apart. Like like she she's just angry and frustrated at everything and, and she's even aware of that her emotions are kind of childish in, in in this moment like she compares them at some point i forget if this was last week to to like having a tantrum and breaking her own toys i think like it's later in, in these chapters actually. is it yeah, yeah. I, I lost track but um yeah it's it's um like you said it's it's off-putting but then like because because you want to give switch hitter a hug yeah, and so it's really off-putting when Victoria reacts that way. But then, of course, Victoria comes around and she does give her a hug. And then you're like, okay, there, there's our Victoria. But right. man, she's she. The fact that she had that moment there is is telling.
2: Yeah,
1: I I agree. And man, I just like <laughs> it's just it's really 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 powerful. I I think mm-hmm. I I really loved I I love that I love the idea of that she it's so it's such a powerful. Emotion that feels so foreign that her first reaction is, could this be the gas? Is the gas affecting me some way like like that? I think really goes far to sell how shocked she is at the, at, at feeling this way.
0: Yeah, I agree. That I she's agree.
1: looking for an external reason. It, is this coming from inside me? How how is that possible? And I love that. Like, of course, what we're kind of subtly doing here is this is tying back to glory girl level frustration from victoria's past right this this feeling that we're not making any progress we're not winning we go out there we get hurt to do what to do to fix what are we making the world better are we doing anything and now this is kind of thrown in front of victoria in a in a a much greater scaled way um and and i think that is that is the core of what sends her spiraling maybe like we've never seen before at the end of these two chapters
0: yeah, no that that's a great it's a great point. Um, her problem back when she was Glory Girl was she would be you know o- overly violent, overly aggressive, or, or, you know, and, and impatient basically with everything, including herself, and that's what we're seeing here. So yeah. I think it's more evidence in that ledger.
1: And that and that I think that came from that impatience, that that quick to anger, that over over violent tendency came from a place of frustration at the mm-hmm. inability. To win at the inability to succeed at the inability to to make a difference and that's exactly what's happening here they are not winning in fact they are as we'll see later they are fighting for a draw
0: yeah and they're losing tons of people for that draw yeah Yeah. so um here we begin to have something that i think is more or less setting up a a semi three beat over the course of these these two chapters uh, where Victoria tells us right out, the standard method for handling a panic attack was to ground the person, but there was no fucking ground, so to speak. There were holes in reality. There was no air. Nothing in the environment I could point to that wasn't ulcerous with gas, even if it wasn't organic enough to rightly have ulcers, or, rid- or riddled with holes, or decayed, or slimy, or chewed up from the fighting. And and basically, like th- this is where Victoria is is at. So so, so we have this this seeing this panic attack concept where we come to understand, okay, switch hitters having a panic attack and then we're going to see Victoria have a panic attack later. And and we're primed on that because of this explanation here. And we're also primed to see that from Victoria's point of view, everything is so fucked that she doesn't even know how to calm somebody else down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, arguably you you did mention that she's having trouble breathing as she's Mm -hmm. carrying. She's arguably having a mini panic attack of her own right now. Um, And, and part of, she does eventually get to a place where she can ground her um, via her past. Right. So she does eventually find some of that ground. But I do feel like this is like the stepping stones to that full blown breakdown. Right. Where she's still she's still at the end of this able to find something to stand on with switch hitter. Um, but that's not going to happen when it's happening to herself
0: like you said it's the past it's 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 nothing to do with the present and yeah, yeah. the present as far as victoria's concerned is fucked beyond repair so. yeah
1: we do we do learn that switch hitter is most likely bi based on her name uh and a, there's this as she's exploring the past legend didn't quite make things like perfect and wonderful for LBG, lgbtq people um as the authorities would have probably had you believe pre-gold morning, right? Like that was mm-hmm. the big thing. It's like legend came out and he was so popular that that just, yay, <laughs> everything was yeah. fine. And of course, of course, of course that was never true. Um, but it is good to kind of see that coming out of one of our characters. And I love switch hitter.
0: Yeah, I sure. I mean, it reminds- so much. I hope we it, see more of her like, like I think, I think, you know, it reminds us of Tristan because like Tristan, probably didn't face as much prejudice as he would have faced on our on you know, our world our our world in our status quo, but um he but he did have to put up with bigotry from at least one person, right? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So Victoria gets back to Foyle, who tells her that she's retreating. Victoria then tries to argue with her, uh, to argue that this is working. We just need to keep it up. And Foyle's like, no, nah, you're in denial. Uh, <laughs> we're losing key people. Everybody's exhausted." And, and she says, "Even you and Terry's. It might be wearing you down more slowly, but I can see it in how you stand."
1: I love that so much, and I I, I love the beat where she's like, "You can fly. I have to jump on fucking missiles to get yeah. around, and I can't. I'm exhausted." I I, I like this, and I like like. The duality and the two mindedness of Victoria's thoughts, I think, carry through perfectly into this moment, right, where I want to go forward. I want to keep it up. It's working. We're, we're getting there. If we just keep pushing, it's going to work. And this real recognition that everyone's exhausted and we do have to retreat. And I think that that is, there's like a push and pull. There's a push and pull of her having anger and kindness towards people. There's a push and pull of her wanting to push the issue or wanting to retreat. There's this duality going on. And uh, I, I really, I really liked that. I really liked that a lot.
0: Yeah, me too. Because she she's able to recognize pretty quickly that, that foils right. Um, yeah, yeah. which is good, right? Like, but, but the fact that she even has that moment of, of like, no, no, this is working when like anyone can see that it's not tells you that. Yeah, she's, she's, um, she's, she's sort of losing the plot. She's sort of losing track of what's, what's going on. She's like I said earlier, she's, she's losing it. Um, Victoria then has to manage damsel to convince her to retreat. Um, while Solar Stair, solar stare talks shit in the background Victoria almost gets murdered, but then correctly calls Damsel's bluff and doesn't get blasted and also doesn't preemptively pulp her.
1: (laughs) This is so great, isn't it? I I love this whole scene. Uh, Like we talked last week about this kind of mini, you know, behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, but like not in focus, push and pull that was going on between Damsel and Victoria. Um, And. I incorrectly said it was like we had reached the zenith of this when Damsel finally listens to Victoria after that moment of trust. Like, trust me. Don't use your power. Trust me. And it's a really important moment, and I really like it. But this is it, right? This is that conflict coming to a head. Everything that's been festering between these two, the good memories of swan song times, the difficulty that creates the 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 mourning for the lost person and that having that person standing in front of you, it comes to this moment. And this is the these two characters have never gotten quite this close to just destroying each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's a very almost cinematic moment, right? Because it basically shows that Sveta, I don't know. I keep messing up names today. Um, Dam- I don't know where Sveta came from. Uh, damsel comes within, you know, a hair's breadth, of blowing her away, but then at the last second, she just kind of lets the lets the blast dissipate. And Victoria, the wretch, has been reaching for her to grab and crush her, and then she cancels it at the last second. Yeah, and um, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a really, uh, it's horribly intense, right? Like you 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 really and you really kind of want damsel to just. Not be this way anymore. Yeah, it's <laughs> like,
1: really like you're just really like, come on, come on. Like yeah. it, it's giant monsters flying around, and you're like threatening, like to murder her because she wants you to take a break and retreat.
0: Right. Um. I mean, it's it's really is something that Victoria takes the amount of time and energy that she does here to try to talk damsel down instead of just being like, all right, fine, fuck yeah. off. You you stay. Like you're you're not you're not the Ashley I knew. Right. Like. Yeah. I, I mean that's not how she feels clearly right she 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 has complicated feelings toward damsel because she kind of does feel like there's some of ashley in there yeah um but right. I, and i think the fact that she hangs around to talk to her and to try to to persuade her reveals how much she does actually care about this this damsel
1: especially since we kind of see sveta give up right sveta's just like fine just leave her let's yeah. go um and yeah. you could argue that was part of an, a negotiating tactic i suppose but um I also think Sveta Sveta has a very complicated relationship with Ashley. She has throughout the entire book. And so I yeah. this could just be, she's like, I don't want to fucking deal with I, this. I,
0: I think Sveta like basically said like, yeah, we weren't really friends. <laughs> um, and plus Sveta has been dealing with her shit for like, I don't know, however long this fight's been going on, mm-hmm. trying to like be the conciliator between her and, and Solar Stare, who uh, delightful, delightful Solar Stare. I only wish we had seen more of Solar Stare just needling damsel and as this fight was going on yeah good
1: um, whole interlude of solar stone needling <laughs> damsel please
0: absolutely yes
1: um there is one more point i want to talk about in this um just there is this moment where she, i forget exactly what she says to damsel but we see damsel's reaction we see i saw emotions cross her face and then i saw new emotions take over and of course this is very much in line with uh, what we've seen in in Damsel in the past, where Victoria has looked at her and seen swan song in there sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but it also is a good reflection of kind of that two mindedness, that duality of feeling that we're that we're seeing in Victoria right now. The Damsel has that kind of same thing, where she's feeling these different things at the same time, and Damsel is kind of making decisions on which of those feelings she's going to prioritize and which she's going to stuff away. But I wonder, Damsel, da- like. Ashley in general is a very unique case in this world right a clone um they had much more interaction with the shard space stuff than just about anyone else through their dreams I believe um are we are we hinting at something here like is is there is there kind of like long term setup here like we're connecting the duality of Victoria's emotions to this kind of these two different emotions flashing over damsel. Are we trying to, I don't, I'm just guessing. I I don't actually, I haven't actually formulated a hypothesis on this, but I find it interesting.
0: I like this idea that a lot of what's going on with Victoria right now has to do with the the facets of Victoria that we've, we we, we don't quite know if we got the same Victoria out of the shard world that went into it. Um, We know that damsel is, is now this complicated product of all the different facets of damsel that, went into making damsel in the first place. There's, there's some swan song in there. Um, and, and I can see all, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you where I'm like, I see all these ideas in a big, in a big mixing pot. And I don't really know exactly how to tease them out into a structure that, that, that I can say, this is what's going on here thematically. Um, but, uh, I think it's just something to continue to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's a fun thing about this book is that, it just it allow it tosses those things into the air right and you can just you're just like oh look there's a thing and i like this and it kind mm. of fits in with this i'm not ready to conclude on it yet i think the book if the book is going to grab this out of the air and connect it to something else oh that'll be cool it might not but it just gets you thinking about those kind of things and i i don't know i i enjoy the way this book does that that there's always there's always all this stuff up in the air that you're like well i could put these together and that might be something it might not um, I don't. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I like. I like. I, I like that a lot because not everything has to land. We've talked sure. about that yeah. before. Not. Not everything has to pay off. Sometimes it's just a moment, and you appreciate it in that moment, and then it's done. Yeah. So Victoria then carries Gundek away as they retreat and regroup.
1: Yeah. Please note that the jackass, unsure if he's a hero or a villain, cape that Victoria didn't like much earlier. Team says he'll catch up with her, and then doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't leave. He never leaves. He's still yeah. fighting. Still, He's still fighting. Still sending those tiny minions to bother the Titans. Yep.
0: Still covering the retreat. Mm-hmm. The breakthrough then touches base. Tattletale tells them that they can't retreat. They've got to keep fighting. A big 15 minute final push because Fume Hood <sighs> is still inside Eve and they need to give her a chance to retreat.
1: Good Titan theory confirmed.
0: That's right. Uh, at I least mean, partially. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean I think so. I think I think I think what we said last week was that we do think Femut is still inside um the Titan in some sense and it mm-hmm. seems to be right. So
1: Yeah, and she can't communicate in any clear way, but she is speaking in gibberish um aka I'm not mur- horribly murdering you all with yeah. just So Right. Maybe take that as a hint.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean I like the way Tattletale said it of just like, well, she's not sending like just a wave of instant death at us, so that should be a, a clue. Yeah. Um yeah. have
1: have we talked so so Tattletale in this moment mentions way way back when she was chopped into pieces and the gibberish she was sending to Victoria. Um have we talked about that since no. then?
0: I, I don't think the story ever really came back to it. It didn't. Um, so so that yeah. The conclusion here is that Tattletale thought she was sending a message, and then the message Victoria was getting was gibberish. And then Victoria sent, th- tried to send a message back, and then Tattletale stopped communicating. I think because she was like, "Oh, I, I see what's happening. Um, my message is clearly not getting through because um, I'm, this, I'm, getting, I'm gibberish. getting gibberish back." Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this is one of those instances where. If you are part of this community while the book was coming out, you knew this because mm-hmm. this is something Wild Bo Clarified because I think a lot of people spent a lot of time on this and I'm so glad I didn't the spend code. that much time yeah. on it. Uh, we spent a little bit of time trying to crack it, but I think it was clarified, but it's come back and, and been clarified in the book. So another one of those interesting, unique ways in which following these books as they're being written gives you a little bit different experience than um, if you were reading it. But what is, the, done. what is the
0: what is the implication of the fact that if you get put through the shard interdimensional ringer, um, your communication comes out as gibberish? Like, is it is it to say that is, is this connected to this idea that you can't just talk to the shards?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think so. I mean I think the the importance in this moment is that we can't chat with the titans whatever whatever shard stuff is going on with the titans their ability to communicate has been so severely hampered that we can't do it anymore and you could argue that this is similar to the stuff we saw in Kepri, right? Like one yeah. of, one of the first things that, well, not one of the first, but one of the things that happened to Taylor as she was being subsumed by the shard was her ability to communicate was taken away. Um, and so we could see that that could, this could be reflecting that same kind of idea as far as does that specifically, does that relating to what t- was happening with Tattletale Does that specifically connect? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was an opportunity to clarify something in the text that had not been clarified um, while also exploring, exploring the idea of the breakdown of communication with shardy stuff. And I don't know if it, I don't know if it has to be more than that.
0: I mean, I feel like it, I feel like that might've even been an intentional setup. The, the, the original thing with the, with the, uh, communicating in gibberish to say like there are limitations to communication when you're trying to communicate through shard bullshit. Um, but, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I think, I think that it makes a lot of sense on a thematic level to say that, that, that there are reasons why you can't just say like, Hey, shards, let's make a, let's make a transaction. You, you stop doing this and we'll give you this right. Like communication and and the impossibility of communication are pretty big themes here. So, Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. and if we look at what is a solution to this whole problem, this humans shards, what are we going to do? What, how do we solve it? Um, The inability to communicate is going to be a very difficult thing in that. But maybe there's Mm -hmm. a solution and maybe it's sitting in Victoria's head.
0: Maybe, maybe. Um, But, you know, even in really tense, terrible moments like this, Aisha is still Aisha. (laughs) Ooh, Imp said. Come on, heartbroken. Got to back Aunt Rachel up. Give me a good ooh. Ooh. There was a very unenthusiastic set of ooze from three very tired, slimy and banged up, heartbroken text appeared at the corner of my vision. C and D. Ooh. (laughs) this is kind of that like interstitial comic relief that we were talking about a little bit last week.
1: Yeah, it's an Indiana Jones moment. Uh I'm so happy we can just call them that (laughs) and just be like Indiana Jones moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's not designed to undercut seriousness, right? It's not taking what is. A serious moment and and kind of poking fun at the fact that it's serious, but rather it's just a little tension relief, just a little you just a little left turn on that tension valve mm-hmm. just to let a little bit of that out. And it really works perfectly.
0: It works perfectly, I think, additionally, because we know that imps way of dealing with shit being absolutely wacky is to to get even more like this. Yeah, like when they were like crawling around in the cauldron base. Uh, in either of the two times that happened in either of the two books, um, she's like getting particularly quippy when things are getting particularly dangerous and that just tells you like, okay, yeah, it's funny, but also that tells you that she is actually worried.
1: Yeah. I I think that, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so tension releasing consistent. Yep. Wow. I love it. Yep. Um, there is a moment here that I wanted to talk about before we move on though, They're told, basically, as Tattletail is telling them that they need to do this final push, and Victoria looks at her team, and the moment is they all nodded. And the text is basically pointing out to us why they shouldn't be nodding. Rain is exhausted and practically useless. His powers aren't that strong. Sveta is tired. Tristan, she describes as heartbroken. Um, Everyone is so tired. They're not even sure they're going to be able to help in this final push. But everyone on our team nods, and is like, yep, okay. Let's do it. And I don't know. Like, I just, that's a powerful moment for me. Like th- this, this concept of everyone's tired. Everyone's back up against a wall. We've just retreated because we were all on the verge of collapse. And now we're told, can you give me 15 more minutes? And she looks at her team and everyone's just like, yep. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing about breakthrough is that they're just this, like they were selected to be this team of people who never stopped fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, None none of them, you know, and that includes swan song are the type to ever stop fighting no matter what like, yeah, which is almost uh, not not really almost like which is actually to their detriment sometimes sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody somebody needs to be there to kind of say, hey, this is the time to stop fighting. Actually, yeah,
1: Yeah. sometimes there are those times and maybe this is one of them.
0: Yeah. So foil notices that Parian is having a silent uh, breakdown in the background. whoa. Uh, and uh Tattletail tells her to stay away because she doesn't want to lose her nerve to do what she's about to do.
1: And what is she about to do, Matt?
0: And I saw her approach the rows of bodies, people covered in sheets, some with people standing by them. She took the sheets, drawing out threads and weaving them together. Then, with telekinetic control over fine blades, she began cutting into the bodies. Some had been crushed, some had been cut, others afflicted with gas, their skin ulcerous. Oh, my God. I heard foil. She pressed her hands over her mouth. Flayed skin sewn to skin like Perrin had used cloth before. Orifices sealed, shut. Many uh, people became parts of a wider canvas. That canvas with many dead began to take form. Holy shit. Holy shit. And then when Scotty reacts to the threat, because she always reacts to the greatest threat, the Skin Puppet wrestles the Titan to the ground. (laughs)
1: Holy shit. And all it took was a bunch of dead humans. Yep. I, I like the detail. I say I have like in, in very big quotes, but I like the <laughs> detail where when she runs out of like material, she uses hair and tendons uh-huh. at, to, to actually do the sewing. Um, just a great it's a great little horrible touch yeah. on that.
0: Just make it as uh, like once she's crossed this line, it's it's almost like, why not just go all the way and just like this is what your power has always wanted you to do. anyway is use human bodies for your for your raw materials. Yeah. So go for it.
1: Yeah. And so we kind of jumped the gun and talked about this a lot already. But so in this moment, we see foil is just absolutely horrified, absolutely horrified. And, and she takes that 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 horror and kind of turns it on Tattletale where she's like you knew about this didn't you how long ago did you know um you're the one that told her you shouldn't have told her and we see this moment where Tattletale's like she kind of always knew it's always been about this about skin and i wanted to talk to you about that because i i i should have looked up what parian's trigger event was before um i i have the very like loose thread of <laughs> of what it was but um how, how how do you think it was always about skin?
0: Well, part of it is is this idea that I've seen. This is not my original idea, um, that you know, she uh Perrin has distinctive South Asian skin tone and um that the the guy who was harassing her, the, so so the story is that this this guy in her college classes was kind of harassing her and and kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. Um and she eventually did actually give in and date him, just because that was easier than dealing with the harassment and and him spreading rumors about her. And the implication is that he he, for for whatever reason, was kind of obsessed about her her skin, her, like her her skin color. This was a, a sort of a fetish for him, perhaps. It, it, that's never really stated, but I think that you can read between the lines and say like that's why he showed so much interest in her in particular. Yeah. And so it's about her skin tone, and then she, and then her father dies. So we have the element of, of death and a, a dead body that's present and um, th- just all, all of these things kind of mixing together. Um, I, I think there was I think there's also something there with like the idea of of distance and and, and isolation and um, lack of, of positive like physical contact with anyone, which, again, that's that that's sort of related to skin, too. Um, I remember I remember. Having this all kind of nailed down in my head back when I first put, you know, back, back when Cyrus kind of helped me help me put all the clues together, and a lot of time has passed since then, and I haven't really thought about it, but, but yeah, I think I think um, you know the fact that that Parian is, is Indian has always been a, a you know major you know thing that kind of at front and center with her. Like she, when it came to her 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 cape identity, she wanted to ch- uh, challenge assumptions about about race and so forth. Like that's why she has this european Parian style doll mask and and skin covering outfit to hide the fact that she has the skin color that she has yeah so that's that was literally always there you know the the fact that she she considers it important actually
1: yeah that's great i i I love all of that that's really great um cool i want to talk about the duality of this moment because that's something we've been talking about all chapters right where eh, throughout this entire chapter we've been talking about how things feel two different ways, how she's angry and wants to comfort, how they want to retreat and they want to fall back. And in this moment, Victoria says this is horrifying and noble in equal measure. Right. This, yeah. the, we're, the Both the two sides thing is really evident throughout everything that goes on here that this is this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Like we see. Her, her girlfriend is looking on in horror and the text says, and she's not the only she wasn't the only one, which is like just be- like we don't have to you don't have to say any more than that. It's just enough to know all these heroes on the field are looking at this thing happening and are just horrified of this person and what they're doing. Um, and I don't know. There's something incredible about that, like and and, and tragic, like they're they They reach their stalemate they reach their tie because of what Parian does here because of that line that Parian decides to cross, and it's going to change her forever. It's gonna change her relationships forever, not just with her girlfriend, yes, certainly with her girlfriend, but with every cape she interacts with, every single hero saw her do this basically, and how they approach her, how they they deal with her uh it's gonna be forever changed,
0: yeah um i I think you're exactly right it's 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 crushing to who Parian is and who she's wanted to be, and worked really hard to to try to be mm-hmm. um just, just before we move on from the topic of Perrion and Foil, uh you know all the way back in the um the part of the story where they were fighting nursery- Foyle was basically talking about how um all of the horrifying shit really got to her, like 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 nursery's power specifically, I think, was something that just really bothered her in in a way where she's like, I, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like I if if this is what being a cape means, I don't I don't think I want to be a cape anymore. I, I don't I don't remember exactly what she said. It was a long time ago, but um I, I feel like that was laying the groundwork for this moment where she realizes that the person with uh I don't know about the most horrifying, but one of the more horrifying parahuman powers is, is Parian.
1: It's certainly up there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I had forgotten that conversation. But yeah, that was that was laying the the tracks for this moment and, and why this is so disturbing to Foil because she has she is I think she says something to be like. People get used to it, right? Like you're around it for so long and you, so you eventually just get used to it, but that's not happening to me Uh and I don't think it's ever going to happen to me. And so not only is this horrifying that you've seen another side of the person you're with, but it's especially horrifying for her.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, just, I mean, just like, like for me, I don't, I often have pretty good visual, uh, imagination, but like I, I had to actually kind of make myself visually imagine what this looks like, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of be reminded, like, yeah, like there's now a whole bunch of flayed corpses lying around, and then there's this bloody. I mean, Wabo describes it well enough, but that doesn't necessarily trigger the visualization for me. Yeah, um, it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> well, and the nec- in
1: the next chapter, we see as the battle is coming to a close, the bodies have been carted away and. Parents creation has deflated. So uh-huh. there's just this
0: this skin bag.
1: Skin bag hanging out on the battlefield.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, that's, that's so good. Yeah. Um yeah, so all this is cool and everything, but remember we're getting this reveal along with the reveal that Rachel's power works better on half-breeds, which is I think a new reveal. Um yeah, I think so. And and this is coming like a chapter after Tristan and Vicky had this conversation about powers shifting and and powers reacting to traumatic experiences. Um, It's basically just like a lot of talk in this in the in the latter part of this arc about powers, wonkery and and true uses and changes in power.
1: Yeah, those are really good dots to connect. I think like we talked about earlier, that's a bunch of stuff that's been thrown up into the air and you're just kind of connecting them together in interesting ways. We are exploring the design behind all of this as we prepare to, I think, really start to explore the designers in a way that the book has never done before. I think so. So
0: that's and really as cool. this, Yeah. As the chapter wraps up, Victoria flies screaming back into the fight.
1: Oh my God. That moment, Matt, where she's yeah. just like, I'm screaming because I my wretch can't.
0: I thought that was really f- particularly interesting along this reading of like the mer- the merging of personalities because you're like, mm-hmm. so, so that means she thinks that the wretch would want to be screaming. Right, yeah. Which is kind of a mind-to-mind thing thing.
1: Sure. Yeah, I drew on my partner's power to deliver the first blows of the second round, screaming while I did because she couldn't. Yeah. Um yeah. Not Intense. only my like she's called her, her partner in the past. Um but I, I, the phrase drawing on my partner's power, I don't know, it's like I'm not it's not it's not even my power anymore. It's mm-hmm. her power and I'm just drawing
0: on it. Um that's interesting. True. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that's that is a really interesting sentence in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. So as we move into eighteen point seven, the first line, the the five-pound phone I carried blared. I had to ignore it. So uh, communication attempted and denied due to incredible danger.
1: Don't worry, I'm sure it's not important.
0: I mean. like again, <laughs> a, again we have the fi- the five pound phone. Like like we made the connection to the five pounds of gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is so that's already setting us off. We we're we're making these connections between eighteen point seven and one dot one. We talked about the five pounds of gun there. We have a five pound phone. Um, again, she's being called and she's ignoring the call. Or a- actually, yeah, she she actually did have to ignore calls from Carol or t- texts from Carol in that chapter because of the stuff that happened. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're gonna get into it. Legend pummels Scotty and then he gets injured.
1: I, of course, have no ability to actually remember this, but have we ever seen Legend injured?
0: The only time I remember is when <laughs> Leviathan snags him and and it's described as just looking like a crazy light show as he falls out of the sky. But we don't actually like see the consequence of that.
1: Mm, OK, I it's just I think like Legend has been this this presence in the story for so long that the idea of like him being hurt is so like beyond belief for me that it's just like, holy shit.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So Victoria flies in and then literally squeezes herself in under Scatty's armor in an attempt to get in meaningful wounds. And then she gets her foot crushed on the way out. She feels frustrated beyond reason. And this is the part where she compares her mental state to a child destroying her own toys in a rage.
1: Yeah. Her toys in this case being her body. Uh Um, I so I really like this because we began this chapter with Victoria almost immediately getting injured. And throughout this entire this big fight, we've seen her frustrated. We've seen her exhausted. We've seen her jump to anger. We've seen the stalemate people getting tired. Victoria herself has had a few close calls, but she hasn't actually gotten hurt yet. And then, bam, at the start of this chapter, immediately hurt. I think we're seeing a shift right right now right like we're shifting away like a lot of what we're doing here we had mental exhaustion we had emotional exhaustion uh mental damage emotional damage now we're starting to get the physicals coming into she's actually just getting hurt and i think it i think it shifts things a little because every moment from here on out is just victoria getting hurt in one way or another
0: yeah um that's a good point yeah it it changes the because until now she's been watching people get hurt all around her. And Mm -hmm. by the end of this chapter, she's just a mess. Yep. So Victoria gets speaking of which Victoria gets swatted out of the air by Oberon too fast to stop herself with flight. All she can do is aim for the cracks in the ground and scrape through injuring herself further and ending up briefly in the shard realm, um, where I'm sure nothing bad happens to her and (laughs) she's fine. And then she flies up out of there and she's called and she answers the phone and they tell her to retreat.
1: Yeah this is one of those moments in the story that it seems very specifically set up to set up th- something right because yeah. it's just it's just this moment like it doesn't it doesn't push the plot forward in any way like it she just she's thrown to the ground she slips into the shard realm to survive she's in there momentarily her flight kind of works her aura barely works the force field struggles to come back up. And then she leaves and it's done. And We just move on and we're just like, oh, OK, that was just a fun little jaunt in there. Just to remind everyone that that's there still. Nothing else. No, nothing else. No other other right reaction to that at all.
0: Not planting seeds for anything or.
1: Nope, yeah. nope, nope. Uh, and we'll I think we'll talk about what those seeds could possibly be in a little bit. But um, there's a lot. There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say about how this particular moment could could be playing because it's obviously doing something right. Like there's a purpose. This happened. It's not just going to happen in the story. We just move on and be like, no, we just wanted to remind the reader that the shard realm exists. That was it. That was it.
0: I mean the, the least, the least that we're doing with it is we're establishing like, this is what it's like down there. Right. Be remember, remember that it's like that for, for later Mm -hmm. that, but, but I suspect it's a bit more than that. Yeah. Um, so we learned that Dauntless not Titan Kronos because we're in Victoria's point of view and she calls him Dauntless now has been keeping all the other Titans away from F- Fortuna with his arc lance, uh, while Fortuna just kind of sits there.
1: Has this is, this is the question I had thinking of this. Has she ever called him Titan Kronos? Has she ever used that name or has in Victoria's mind, it always been Dauntless? I don't know.
0: <sighs> I feel like she's used Titan Kronos before, but now I'm not hundred percent sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, w- with the one thing we didn't talk about is in the last chapter, she basically, um, once once she was told Fume Hood is still inside Eve, she goes, Fume Hood, uh, I mean, Eve, no, Fume Hood, she's still there, um, yeah. and has, like, specifically decided, this is Fume Hood, Fume Hood is in there, so I'm gonna call that a Fume Hood, um, and so, is this a subconscious linking, like, she knows Fume Hood's connected to Dauntless, and therefore... The assumption is, if Fumehood's in there somewhere, maybe Dauntless is in there somewhere, which is something that we, the reader, do know, but we haven't seen anyone tell Victoria yet. Um, or has she just always been calling it that? I, I just, I think, I think it's a change in, in reflection to her attitude towards Fumehood. But if she's always just called him that, then, then I'm wrong. But
0: I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I think this is not my, my original thought, but I, I, I think there's a, there's a suggestion that the reason why she kept slipping and calling Eve fume hood was because her shard was trying to tell her something. Um, Her shard was trying to say, no, no, she's, she's in there. Kind of, I mean, we've definitely seen her shard give her intuition from shard dimension. Yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah. This is one instance where that would make a lot of sense. Like she, you keep sleeping and you keep slipping and calling her fume hood and it turns out you're actually right. Now she's just kind of going with it. She's like, yeah, that's dauntless. That's fume hood. That's Titan Scotty. You know, her, her, she's never, she's never slipped and accidentally called oberon um, moose, or moose. Prancer, yeah. right? Yeah. So,
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. So I, I like that. I like that as uh, another symptom of whatever's going on with shard buddy.
0: Yep. Yep. So Victoria flies over to fume hood, um, having been told to retreat and just kind of talks to her quietly for a bit, just in case her words or even just her mere presence can help the woman. And it's really sweet and heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about Victoria as a a, a character and maybe just like as as a person in this story (laughs) is when she recognizes a kindred spirit somewhere, the way she reacts to that always warms my heart. Like Mm -hmm. she sees fume hood trapped inside this giant body and she connects that feeling to the feeling she had while she was in the hospital. And so she knows everything that I would have wanted while I felt in that hospital, I'm going to try to give you right now. You did good. You're doing good. You're a hero. She calls her by her name, not even fume hood. She calls her by her name. Yeah. Uh, and it's, 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 it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's tragic because like on some level we wonder, can she even really understand what's going on here? Um, but it's just, it's just this, this moment of just extent, extending courtesy to a person that might be all that stands between your, your existence and nonexistence. um mm-hmm. I, I I love it. it. It's so beautiful. It's it it really really touched me. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know what's going to happen with these titans, but regardless, I think this was a really great moment for Victoria, especially after we're going to just see her from here. Just, oh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Gets I, bad from here.
0: I mean, I, it, it hit me how she, you know she kind of offers herself to be the sveta to um, to fume hoods. Wretch, um, and and that's that's a that's a powerful thing for her to be, you know, the, the the framing of it I think is really is really what hits you. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So so, so
1: before we go yeah. on, though, I think many people have kind of related this back to some other stuff we've seen, right? Uh, to imp being the voice over Taylor's shoulder, and in her final moments, people have also rightly related this imagery back to the sea perched on Dauntless, and now contesta shoulder i like the first one i like the imp one and not the seamerg one because (laughs) that's much less ominous
0: (laughs) yeah um um, that 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 is i i i don't i'll be i'll be surprised if this turns out to be like a big complicated uh theory crafting thing i I thought it was just like a, a sweet moment but you know anything can happen sure sure um cool So Victoria then returns to the fallen camp. We actually just kind of cut back to the fallen camp. Yeah, we
1: do a a section break.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, she has this terrible run in with her quote unquote old friend (laughs) shortcut. Um, She tells him to get bent, which is just an insult that I've never managed to use in real life, which I really regret. Um, Hey, Matt. uh, Yeah. Get bent. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to Um, use it. Oh, thank you. Don't be the, mad.
0: The, the, no, it just it it hurt. I'm sorry, um, but, I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> so um, shortcut sucks, right? Oh
1: yeah. Oh my god, he sucks so much. Do we, like l- let's let's pretend that not everyone reading remembers who shortcut is. So sure, where's sure. the first time we met shortcut, Matt? Chapter one. Chapter one. Shortcut yep. was our our friend that Victoria bumped into. After the car wreck at the very, very beginning of the book, uh, who didn't know she was a cape at the time and and they had a nice little chat and everything seemed cool. And then Shortcut found out that Victoria was a cape a little bit later and he did not take it well. And nope. he has taken that and um, made it even worse. <laughs> he, has, he
0: has used this to justify this festering hatred of Victoria. Yeah,
1: I mean, he prevented her from getting on advanced guard he's basically shit talked her every time he's seen her and now in this moment where capes are basically like falling apart um she he's sees her and it's just like I, i'm mad and i'm gonna take my shit yeah. out on victoria because why not
0: yeah you're you're injured <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, it it was funny because we were all having so much fun ragging on how much we hate Shortcut in the Discord, and then and then I started to be like, think of trigger events for Shortcut and imagine that it was like someone saying to him like, "Uh, uh, God, oh, now I can't remember what it was." Um, it's
1: like you made good time or something.
0: Yeah, good response time. Yeah, yeah. Good response time as as he like arrives too late to save his family from from a from from Scion or something. Um, Uh, Just because it's fun to imagine that there's actually a good reason why he's this way, but uh, that's just because I enjoy doing that kind of thing.
1: I mean, he's a wild book character, so I'm sure there's a a reason whether or not it's good. Like, yeah, the the logical reason. The cool thing is we can call him a giant dick because he is, but Uh we can also understand that he's he's a cape and therefore he has some terrible shit that happened to him in his past. And perhaps exactly what Victoria unknowingly knowingly did set him off in a way that she couldn't possibly understand. Right. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's probably the case. Right. But, but I still enjoy uh, making fun of shortcut. Yes, of course. Of course.
1: And so I I think this is a really interesting scene because, you know, we talk about unreliable narrators sometimes. um, And we talk about, um, we talk about just this idea of, are we, are we, do we have point of view bias? Right. And so we have this person and we have shortcut who is like, like throwing insults at our protagonist and how do we communicate that, Hey, this, there's no point of view bias here, right? Like that, that actually his he's being a dick and Uh we do that by having everyone around him also say he's being a dick. Right. Uh, his, the leader on his team, um, someone else in his group says, fuck off, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like no, like think of, I mean, just, just imagine this scene, if everyone else around him just stayed silent, like if as he was ragging on her, nobody spoke up, nobody came to her defense. Nobody told him to fuck off. Nobody told him to stop. Nobody basically put him in timeout. Imagine how different the scene would read. It would read as if everybody feels this way, that this is not just shortcut world's biggest asshole that has this grudge against Victoria, which of course it is, but if everyone else was silent then you as the reader start to go oh maybe the things that he's saying are things that everyone else has been saying too and and it is very possible they still could be but i think the idea of having the people on his team actively like say no dude you're being an asshole stop it sit down shut up uh to the point where like he's almost willing to fight them about it i think is 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 carrying forward like a Oh, this is someone that has just been this is this is how he reacts to being pushed to his limit.
0: Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And um, I mean, I doubt that Resound and uh, Shortcut ever get into arguments on the level where he uh, he says, fight me if you want me to listen. Yeah, Uh, like it seems like a team wouldn't actually last long under those conditions. So the fact that they get to that point suggests that everybody, including them, is at their, you know, at, at their wits end and they're just losing it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I agree with you. This is a great little scene that just shows how frazzled everyone is.
1: Yeah. And, and, and something I wanted to focus on while we're here is that fuck off man beat mm-hmm. because it's really interesting. Yeah. One, one of the other guys in the group said something under his breath. It might have been fuck off, man. I bristled but bit back the emotion. And that's really interesting, right? Because it's almost certainly... Directed towards shortcut. Right. Like there's maybe like a a 5% possibility that this person happened to be talking about Victoria, but I doubt it. But
0: it she bristles. She
1: bristles at it. Like there's this moment where she either thinks it's about her or just the gut reaction to that kind of anger sets her off in a way. And that's really, really interesting.
0: Yeah. I think that this is just a sign of how, Um, agitated and not like not processing things correctly she is because I read that the same the same way like I definitely noticed like you bristle what why did you bristle like that doesn't like and I think that's the thing is when you're this I'm running out of synonyms for (laughs) like just like beyond beyond your your capacity to deal then yeah you'll have you'll have emotional reactions that make zero sense that that even in the moment you're like this I don't know why I'm behaving this way. I'm, I'm acting like a toddler, but you'll do it anyway. And yeah. that's kind of where she is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, the,
0: the, yeah. So, so there's this, 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 uh, interesting moment where shortcut says people like her thrive on us being civil and decent and letting things slide. Um, which I, I just thought was really interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting that it's coming out of shortcuts mouth too. like, because i I don't know, I'm a proponent for letting things be civil and decent and and like sometimes at the expense of maybe that maybe giving them the chance to make some mistakes but but keeping things civil and decent, and then because things were civil and decent, the person who made a mistake feels like they can kind of uh walk back what they said, whereas if you jump on them immediately, then they're much more likely to dig in their heels, so the idea that shortcut is saying something I kind of agree with here, I was like, huh." <laughs> or well no hold on hold on i'm 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 being stupid um no shortcut is disagreeing with me shortcut's an asshole fuck shortcut yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: Yeah, sorry i I don't i i'm i'm splitting and processing things in two different ways at the same time sorry scott
1: no but it's fine but i I, my reaction to this was i don't know if anyone would ever describe that about victoria like that I, i guess like maybe glory like old old glory girl days but i like i was very surprised to hear that that projected towards victoria
0: sure well i I think that um he always wants to be yelling at her and so the fact that she's quote-unquote getting away with things drives him crazy
1: like that just the fact that she gets to be a hero at all when he offends her
0: (laughs) i mean i think everything she does offends him so yeah um like i remember when they let go the um um hollow point villains that they captured and he was just livid about it and yeah yeah, i don't know yeah i
1: forgot about that no that's really interesting because it's like i i thought throughout this entire book that the the thing that shortcut has is just this complete lack of seeing things from someone else's perspective he took this thing that was just this minor misunderstanding and let it turn into this festering hatred just because he just refused to, to listen to her perspective on it and just be like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like you didn't mean anything. Like I get it. Yeah. And, and so like we go through these moments where Victoria is, having to do things that she doesn't really want to do like releasing the people is something that she was really pissed off about. She didn't want to Mm -hmm. have to do that. But from his perspective, it's just like, Oh look, here she is again, just releasing all. like, yeah, i love this as a a continuation of that central failure on his part to, to be able to see anything from her perspective.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, at this point he sees her like a, a monster. Yeah. Like if, if we were, if he was the protagonist does, and, and while Bo is writing the story, there's a good chance that we would hate Victoria <laughs> <laughs> because we, we would be getting fed his little narrative about how he, she just, she's just the worst, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I don't know. That, that now, now I'm, now I'm kind of curious what that would look like. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so Victoria totally wins this encounter. But critically, I don't think she feels like she won the encounter. And it really doesn't make her feel any better. She still feels childish and she feels like she sunk to his level.
1: Yeah, I mean, she did, right? Like, I I'm sure it felt really good in the moment, and I really liked her epic. Your costume sucks, burn. Right. Um, you loved it. Everybody loved it. But right. yeah, it was it was childish, and I I I did like this moment where she's like, I'd held back enough today, playing nice with defiant, holding back with Eric. I was fucking done. Um, she's just she's not gonna do that anymore. No holding back. No holds barred.
0: No holds barred. Yeah, I mean. It's interesting that she, I I find the phrasing of playing nice with Defiant, it's like you, but I mean, you were just professional. I guess that was, yeah. I mean, I I guess, you you know, whatever. Okay. I think that's
1: just a reframing based out of frustration.
0: Yeah. Right. So Victoria then enters what I'm calling the dogs phase of the chapter, (laughs) which is just dogs. Everybody's playing with and covered in dogs. Um, Scott, what does humanity have that no other alien species defeated by the entities has had? What makes us special unique? No, it's not dreams. It's dogs.
1: It is dogs. This has been set up since the Valkyrie interlude where a dog got powers. The answer is is dogs. It all makes sense. You did it, Matt. It's dogs. Yep. And thus Rachel (laughs) becomes the key to everything.
0: She's the key to all this. Yeah. I agree. I love dogs. You're right.
1: I really love dogs.
0: I do too. So Sveta and Rain are apparently having a sit down with Tristan um or that's victoria's assumption my my theory well there's so many possible theories from this goddamn chapter
1: <laughs> this is just, this is a very weird chapter and i don't mean that in a bad way oh, no. it just it it's, just feels it feels very strange
0: yes it feels like it everything is a bit off in a way that the more like okay i probably read this chapter like four times yeah yeah and and everything that's off about it i feel has purpose behind it yeah um so so like like this thing where Sveta and Rain and Tristan are off somewhere having some conversation sure it could just be that they're having a sit down with Tristan and giving him a pat on the back and making him feel better about his his emotional state but like is it- that, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right to me. And maybe we'll find out that's the case, but like, I don't know, maybe they're planning on having an intervention with Victoria because she's like clearly freaking out and they can see it and she can't. Perhaps like something Amy related happened on a different battlefield and they're trying to like figure out how to broach that to her. Perhaps it's just something like way like worse that we're not even thinking of. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know why I'm so suspicious about this. It's just, it makes me so uneasy.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're very they're very deliberate and explicit to her. Do not go right, yeah, like yeah, like I under like I understand on a surface level, like Rain is much closer to Tristan than Victoria is. I I I hadn't. I guess it's prob I'm not going to call them it, it untrue that Sveta is closer to Tristan than than Victoria is. I don't remember that, but that certainly could have been set up and I've just forgot it. So I'm not going to be like, I don't think that's true. I
0: think they went shopping once.
1: I I, I definitely think Victoria's relationship with Breakthrough is very weird um, in that she's very, very close with some of them and close, but not as close with others. So like, I think there is a certain level of understanding around that Tristan's going through some really, really bad shit. He wants the closest people around him right now and nobody else. Uh, We're going to lock out Kenzie because of that. But they are very deliberate. Like, do not go there. Like, candy. Right. I think it's candy or chastity. It's one of them. Is just like, don't go there,
0: and right. Don't look in. Don't use the. Don't use the eye cam.
1: Well, they've taken their i cams out. Remember? Oh, that's like true. They, they, which, they which is, even,
0: right. Which is even more suspicious mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, like if, if, uh, I mean, I don't know why this pops into my head, but like if you're, if you're at like a hangout or something and somebody's like, Hey, uh, you know, don't go in that room. Uh, so-and-so and so-and-so are having a kind of an emotional discussion. You just be like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like you walk into like another room and then the person there's like, Hey, don't go in there. Right. They're having an emotional discussion. Like, okay, what the fuck's going on? Like, like, like why, why is this so serious? You know, Yeah. Well, it becomes, uh, it becomes weird at a certain point.
1: It does become weird. And it's like, What's the worst that could happen? If this is the discussion that's happening, the worst that could happen is she walks in the door and they're like, hey, um, <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah, we, we would like you not to be here right now. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And it's not like Tristan has ever disliked her. Right. Yeah. So, so her showing up, it wouldn't be like, oh, you've you fucked it up. Right. It would just be OK. You're here yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's weird, man. It's yeah. freaking me out. There,
1: and this is one of like 20 different moments throughout this <laughs> chapter where I'm like, oh, this is weird. <laughs>
0: it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. So uh, Victoria finds Kinsey cradling some very tiny puppies and having a very hard time with the idea. She says, I ruin everything I like because I like them too much. You can't like a dog too much, Rachel said.
1: She's and right.
0: I, and then I cried.
1: She's right. You can't. There's so much love they have. It's, it's the most pure, beautiful. It's true. Love ever. Dogs, dogs are beings
0: On earth. Yes. Natural selection basically selected them to be the perfect organism.
1: That's it. We just give a puppy to each and every shard. We're fucking fine. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot to love in this Kenzie conversation. I mean, the, the reflection on the dog is a perfect way to kind of show her general concerns and her self deprecating nature. Um, it, it, she's like I'm gonna hurt this puppy I'm gonna do t- the, I, even a puppy is gonna turn me down even a puppy is gonna say no 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 too much go away Um, I, I just love that I love it like as it's this perfect reflection of everything we've been worried about on her uh, about her forever forever Um, and Rachel is there to be like nah you don't gotta worry about this trust me mm-hmm. this is this is I, I understand the way you feel but you don't have to worry about this
0: yeah totally it's beautiful Oh, Rachel, you're the best, best I, character. I love her so much. Uh, so um, we this get is, some sorry, more. Sorry, sorry. No, go sorry, go ahead.
1: No, this, this is the moment where we get the third beat of, hey, dragon, call dragon. Yeah. <laughs> like we have this moment at the beginning of this chapter where Victoria is like, I tried to call it. Like there's a, there's a time jump between. Victoria jumping off of fume hood and Victoria landing in the fallen camp. There's a time Mm -hmm. jump that happens there. And we learn in the time jump, Victoria contacted dragon and dragon was like, eh, it's not right now. (laughs) Um, -hmm. I'm busy. Uh, and then we get another beat here of, uh, Victoria saying to Kenzie, um, I heard dragon left me a message and she's like, yeah, yeah, just contact her later. And it's just like, we're hitting this over and over and over again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's building it up into, I mean, I, I don't know if it's building it up necessarily, but it is definitely like, okay, yeah. Emphasizing. It's, it's definitely yeah. going to be a thing that happens yeah. in the near future, yeah. Uh, Foil and Perian Watch. Foil is now off with her old New York PRT teammates. Uh, get to take in some space, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a, just a lot of stuff going on between all of our beloved second-string characters. I mean, in this scene, like, we have all this stuff going on with Cassie, Chastity, other heartbroken um, we're not gonna even have time to talk about it today. It's just like it's such a full chapter of, of just like yeah. all all of this stuff happening.
1: And of course, we have to remember Titan Watch twenty nineteen is mm-hmm. is ongoing. Um, we didn't talk about Shortcut, but Shortcut like was just put in timeout, and all his entire team flew away, and he's left by himself. Um, that's tit- Titan potential. Um, Parian and Foyle's relationship strain that seems like they're they're. Connection has been severed or damaged a little bit. um That's potential for Titan Hood there, um, but not here because Rachel showed up with a bunch of puppies. Um, yes, yes. But that acknowledges how dire things are, right? When Rachel's like, "Oh fuck, I gotta get out the the big, the big guns," which is more dogs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely surround these children with puppies. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it's only. What did she say? It's like it's barely. It's barely all the dogs. Like Victoria's yeah. like, oh, she brought all the dogs, <laughs> all the dogs. Yeah. No. no.
0: Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, you're going to, so Victoria then is going to, she's trying to find, I forget who she's trying to find. She's trying down. to find Tattletail. She's trying so, to find Tattletail, yeah. but she accidentally finds her way to the church.
1: Yeah. She's looking for the community
0: center. Um, y- yes. Uh, ch- chapter one dot one, watch, uh, uh, <laughs> again
1: so just so we're just let's we're going over again she uh get she get her phone buzzes yep um she
0: she ignores a call she
1: bumps into a shortcut and has an altercation with him um now she's heading towards the community center um doesn't quite get there but she's heading towards community center that's a that's an arc one event it's interesting and, and I don't know this could just be a mistake but earlier in the chapter it was called like a civil center and mm-hmm. then it morphs to community center after there's been a reference to Victoria's after her fight was shortcut. Uh-huh. It morphs to community center. Um and I was like, is this something going on in Victoria's head? But I think someone else calls it community center I think too. Jester
0: Jester also calls it community center, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I don't I, I don't know. Um I don't know. But
0: I mean it's there though, right? Like the the it's a it's a specific um um thing that is not cropped up elsewhere in the story. So. Yeah,
1: but my my chocolate theory was like she's like transforming these things to parts to things from her past.
0: Or, or something. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, of course, the next thing that happens is she runs into Uncle Mike, who, again, is a character who is sort of in. Well, OK, so so Uncle Mike is mentioned in Chapter one specifically because Carol literally texts Michael will be coming by. Yeah. He so is, he
1: is at the um. The
0: he, he's barbecue. at the barbecue. Well, we only hear about what happened at the barbecue. We don't see him there, but he's totally in, he's totally in arc one and he's mentioned in Chapter one. So, yep. Yeah. So, okay, speaking of Uncle Mike, when she sees him, it says, it took me a second to connect the face to the mask. Scott, she only recognized her <laughs> own uncle by connecting it with his superhero mask.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um, dear That's- God. Any- anyway, I think this whole section with Uncle Mike is is what I called, uh, uh, we've got Ward catnip earlier.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a very lengthy conversation that we're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And and I love before we get into the conversation in general, I just want to talk about the setup of it. She goes looking for the community center um, and she says, OK, the community center is probably like the biggest, fanciest building in this place. So I'm just going to go to what looks like the nicest building. And she forgets that they're in a fallen encampment and therefore the nicest building in town is probably a church. And Uh so she inadvertently ends up in a church and inside the church, they basically turned it into a makeshift medical uh, treatment place. So she's there and someone looks at her and sees how damaged she is and how hurt she is. And it's like, do you want uh, do you want medical attention? And she's like, oh, fine. okay, I'll do this. Um, And that's where she she bumps into Uncle Mike because he's working. At the in in the church. Um, But I I do think this is an interesting setting for a conversation, right? Because it's a a church is a place for spiritual healing. Um, It's been converted into a place for physical healing. And Victoria, while there, touches base with an old family member and maybe maybe does a little bit of relationship healing before her hair starts falling out. And that all goes down the tube. But there is a moment here where she's seemingly genuinely bonding with an uncle that she just doesn't really know it all.
0: Yeah. I mean, she definitely has a moment of, of peace here, um, Mm -hmm. which is like horribly shattered. And in fact, it's drawn into stark relief by the fact that she like suddenly realizes later that she's surrounded by injured people and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, and and if if anything, it's like a whiplash effect that makes it feel even worse to her. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's this, there's this nice little interlude of, of peace and connection. Um, You know, she, she uh, going out of order a bit, but she gets, she gets a hug from him. Right. Like we've commented many times or the last, the last few arcs, like she keeps kind of reaching out to offer like physical comfort to people, Mm -hmm. a hand on the shoulder, a hug. Um, Never, never really getting any that feels good. Like, yeah, she, she got some one-on-one time with Annalise, but like literally hasn't thought about it since then. So like this, this is the, this is this hug from him actually, I think. Is is kind of an important thing. Although even in that moment, it's it's like ripped away from her immediately, right? So I guess I guess you could say that doesn't end up being super good either. Yeah, um,
1: and it almost reinforces the fact that you touching me bad. Only yeah. me, only me touch you.
2: True, um, true.
1: I mean, honestly, when this conversation started and she sees someone and like goes, "Oh, awkward, 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 awkward," yeah. I was like, "Oh fuck, it's Annalise. This is gonna be a fun conversation." Uh-huh. <laughs> Didn't end up being true, but um,
0: yeah. Uh, So Victoria does a quick master stranger on Mike and he tells her a memory about a time that she basically prayed to be a superhero as a young child and she smiles at the memory and he doesn't.
1: So I know this is going to sound a little bit hypocritical after we were just like super suspicious of everything that's going on in this chapter, but isn't it fascinating how immediately suspicious she gets of this guy?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like just um, why uh, it, it did seem a bit out of left field like. Really? Like you, you think there's a plausible chance that there could be like a master stranger thing happening right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like it, what, it's, it's not it's not fully out of character for her, but it is, is a bit weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what what is the threat? Like what's going on here? Is this like it, if if this is a master stranger situation, truly, what's the play? Like what is pe- what are people trying to do to her in this moment?
0: I think she's just freaked out. Man. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think that's the point actually yeah. is like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, she describes she describes him healing her as as incestuous kind right. of like I, I think that's such a powerful f- word in this moment. Like he's just treating her wounds. She's hurt. And so he's touching her bare skin because he's treating it. Cause it got really scraped up and her foot might be broken and she describes it as incestuous. It's such a powerful moment. And of course relates to how she feels about family touching her in general. Right? Like I think that's, that's really, that's really powerful. Um, but the, the thing that actually sets her onto this master stranger stuff is when he asks who is in your corner and who isn't. And it's basically Mike's way of saying like, I'm back to talk like mad shit about this family. <laughs> I need to know which of these people you actually like in case I talk shit about one of the ones that you like. Yeah. Fortunately, that's not anybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, just crystals in her corner. And, and I've never expressed any kind of suspicion that anything weird is going on with crystal. So not at all. Crystal. So it's good. Yeah.
1: Um, is fine, and nothing bad is ever going to happen yeah there. there
0: hasn't there hasn't been any weird any weird foreshadowing about her so mm-hmm. um yeah, and then um i mean i don't even know where to start with to, to start with the mic stuff, but I guess it's uh my job to figure that out so yeah so there's uh, basically three things broadly that I want to talk about uh in this conversation at at least uh one is is the great big info dump on the OG days of New Wave and the childhood of Carol, Sarah, and Mike. Mm-hmm. The next would be Mike's outsider perspective on Victoria that enables him to see the Dallin stuff that's going on with her that she doesn't see herself. And then I think a possible third is like Mike is kind of biased in his own way. Like he 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 thinks of himself as an outsider. He says he's not really part of the family, but I think what he really is is he's an ex-insider and like all of his criticisms of the dallons are all very personal and he's clearly still you know a member of their family he's, he's their sibling he, he i don't i don't know if you can escape that just by just by running away and saying oh i'm not i'm not part of that anymore yeah um, I, so th- I, those are my bullet points
1: i like that a lot i mean i like the the difference between outsider and ex insider like the they kind of go to the same place but they go there from a very different direction and i like it
0: yeah um so first, I mean what we we learned that the the parents after the girls were kidnapped and triggered, the parents sent the kids away to boarding school so all, you kind all of them all- all three of them including mike who who really resented the fact that he was swept up into that um the parents really just suck ass, and I feel really bad for everyone here um basically, you have this idea of generational trauma beginning even prior to um you know. The uh, like it kind of seems like they were bad parents even before their kids triggered. If if yeah. that was their response to their kids desperately needing help, was oh get away from us.
1: Yeah, yeah, all of you. Not even not even the th- their son who did not trigger. Still, you go too. You go too. We we can only do things all or nothing in yeah. this family. Um, and I think Mike actually says that specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's certainly not good people. And it is of course this idea of trauma begets trauma like Victoria was not sent away by her parents but she did go away and they basically you know cut off contact and that was her great uh anger at them right this this idea that she was in the hospital for two years uh they came a little bit at the beginning then her mom then everyone just stopped coming and they just cut off so it's just like we we keep we keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again
0: it's a new wave (laughs) Same as the old wave. Um,
1: Uh, But I I think this is really powerful because like we're we're, I mean, it's just generally interesting in this moment that we're taking a person that is connected to Victoria and her issues with her family and and being introduced to a side of it. She's never quite seen before. Um, Victoria is called Carol in this section. Yeah. And we don't see her react to that feel like there is very little internal victoria reaction to a lot of this conversation there's very little
0: yeah and in general there's very little there's very little victoria reaction to anything in this chapter which is yeah but, but but continue please
1: but i mean there's no amy is brought up specifically and we see nothing in victoria's head about like her reaction to amy being brought up there's nothing around carol um she is very kind of closed off emotionally at least from from our perspective um in fact there's moments of like Smiling and happiness yeah. in here.
0: Exa- yes. It, it, it's just so that I think that's a big part of what feels off about her perspective in these chapters is like, she's not reacting to things that she would normally be reacting to, like being, being compared to Carol. And she is reacting in ways like, um like when, um like when Mike, you know, says the memory about her lying on the floor, repeating that she wants to be a superhero. Like, I I I think I, I just don't see this Victoria necessarily smiling at that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it it was, I mean, like it does a very specific thing, which is kind of paint the difference between Mike and Victoria. Is that Victoria is a person who loves her powers, wanted to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. M- Mike has retired, and the only reason he came back was because. Your power becomes a hair trigger if you refuse to use it. It's like this this cruel fate of shards It's that they they force you to they force you to be a superhero. You you have no choice. Yeah, yeah, but I, I do agree that like Victoria's Victoria's trauma is based around that. She really, really, really wanted to be a superhero and it wasn't happening and she was letting everyone down and that escalated into this basketball game where she felt ignored and no one cared because I'm not a superhero why does anyone care about what I'm doing so it is a little bit surprising to think back at this moment where she's on the ground like basically praying to every god out there make me a superhero please 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 and just be like oh yeah I remember that yeah good times good times
0: right (sighs) yeah um it's funny because you can imagine that like some nascent form of waste was like lurking like oh do you do you now Mm -hmm. um (laughs) Uh, so let's, let's also talk about Mike's perspective on, on the family. Cause mm-hmm. basically he, he has this line that he says, Carol closed her heart. Um, that's, I mean, that's her response to her trauma and that's his interpretation of what's going on with her is that she's just not open to being connected to anyone. I guess that would include her own daughter.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he says like, basically it's this idea that she only had enough room for one person. Um, mm. Uh, and, and this is something we've seen before about Carol, right? It's mm-hmm. like for for a while it was her sister, and then it was her husband, and then he says, and then presumably you and Amelia, and they're <laughs> <and laughs> just like, well, it wasn't quite big enough for both of those, but yeah, you know, right, you
0: know. right. yeah, yeah, presumably, presumably, Mike, <laughs> right. sure,
1: um, uh, man, yeah, but yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's 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 reaffirming for Victoria, maybe for us to see someone else talk about Carol in a way in which we've kind of analyzed her from like this idea that someone else is saying, yeah, I I see her as this person that just didn't have enough that closed herself off to the point where she just didn't have enough bandwidth for all the people in her life and could only have, and, and like you look at it from a, a kid's perspective and like there's part of you that wants to write that off as just like sibling stuff, right? It's like mom loves you better type of thing. But we're seeing from her brother that she behaved this way even before the kids came around that, that he felt that same way that like Carol did not have enough room for her sister and her brother. And so she chose her sister because Cape stuff and he was just kind of left out in the cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's sad. And that kind of, yeah, fleshes out, I think our image of, of Carol. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also have this moment where, he offers her this kind of normalcy, or, or this opportunity to even just like taste normalcy of, of kind of hanging out with him and his family, mm-hmm. and and she she internally just immediately rejects that. Like it's not even really a temptation to her, and and I think a big cornerstone of her rejection is is this thought, um, "Isn't that right, my fragile, mini handed friend? It would be risky. Like we might pull apart. I, I could lose my control, and you could lose your connection to me." So like, and that's that's just literally. There's no, th- that's it. She, she, she really is afraid that if she like tries to act like a normal person that she could lose her control and lose her connection to her shard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, super alarming to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we kind of present this in the, in the Jessica argument that we've been having since the beginning of the book, which is like, how, like, should you, should you have a civilian life and and a Cape life. Should those lives be different? And should you focus on each of them? Should, should there should be a a separation. There should be a difference. That's, that's what Jessica believes. Um, Victoria never believed that. And this connection she's gained with her shard has only reinforced that, that opinion has only reinforced that idea that now it's not only like, I don't believe that's possible, but I don't even want to try because Mm -hmm. that could, that could, I could lose what I've gotten. Look what I've gotten. I've done this thing. I've achieved this thing now and I, and it could all be taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, I have to buy into it fully a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I like the phrasing too, where, where, you know, I'm not surprised that she would say I could lose my control because that's something she obviously cares about. Yeah. But she says, and you could lose your connection to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the, 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 the language there. It's, it's like from the side of the shard and, and, like imagining that the Shard appreciates having this connection to Victoria, which I think we know she does because we have actually seen her point of view. But how does Victoria know that yeah. uh, other than other than through the connection itself? Yep. I think you're absolutely so, right. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I So uh, m- moving on to Mike's personal bias, I just thought it was a bit funny and maybe ironic that he gets grumpy when Victoria says that he's like Carol. He's like, oh no, no I'm not. And it's like, yeah, you. Pro- I mean, you're her brother. You probably are actually, and you're probably mm-hmm. in denial about it. Like, that's that's much more likely, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's but. part of Mike that I see in in Victoria a lot, and mm-hmm. like, she gets grumpy when she's compared to Carol, except for this time. Yeah, um, I, I I think th- I think there is like, I think there's there's a real tragedy in this, especially in the fact that she rejects this family member because they are people that have suffered. From this family, they have a connection in that they this family has both done them wrong and they are upset about it. And they could at least like sometimes you just you, your your relationship with your family is irreparable, right? Like there's just there's too much bad blood. There's too much pain. And so you're never just going to have a relationship with family you want. But here's a member of your family, someone you're connected to, someone that knows those people, has been through those that the same things of those people and is there you know, sharing these things with you in a very relatable way. And he extends his hand and he just like, nah, nah. And it's yeah. really sad. It's really sad.
0: Yeah. Just the, the fact that she really doesn't have to think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, The, the, uh, everybody was enjoying this quote from the chapter, any walls, any defense mechanisms I need to watch out for. He asked, he sounded like he was teasing, I could 100% believe he was still holding on to his own, that it was a genuine belief and a genuine worry on his part. No, I said, I don't think I have any.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, Victoria. The thing is, I don't think she's lying here. I think she genuinely believes that.
0: I, I, I think, I think in her better moments, she is aware that this is ridiculous this is not, this is not a better moment for her. And mm-hmm. in this moment, she does believe this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, what's funny is I literally didn't even notice the 100% until I read it out loud. And then I was like, okay,
1: 100%. Uh-huh. Um,
0: nothing like your mom. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I do just want to talk about like Victoria brings up Amy and Mike is just like, okay. Uh-huh. Like, is like, don't go to Amy for healing. Don't send your, your daughters to Amy for healing. Like, we talked about Eric back in the day, and I'm, I'm I apologize for bringing him up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why did you say that name? But
1: like he he's like, Eric doesn't know what Amy did. Mike doesn't know what Amy did. Eric is like, well, think about it from her perspective. And Mike is just like, okay, I trust you. Yeah. Like if you say don't go around her, okay. I don't need yeah. I don't need you don't need to tell me any more details if you're not comfortable with it. I got you. I, right. I trust you. I I take what you have to say. Good done boom
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i i don't know i appreciate that and like i i like this guy a lot i i yeah i want i wish he had made choices that allowed him to be in her life more i think things would have gone better for victoria if he was in her life more often not just when they were little and, well, and yeah and 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 i hope we see more of him but i don't i don't know
0: yeah yeah I mean he 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 was the he seems like he was the only one who would have ever called the Dallons on their shit Yeah yeah um there there's this there's this fun idea that I that I think about sometimes um it's referred to as the evaporative cooling of of groups where like if you have a group of 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 weird people um the people who can't take the weirdness are the ones who are going to leave the group And thus the group on average will become weirder and weirder. And then as it gets weirder and weirder, the ones who can now no longer take the current level of weirdness will be the ones who leave. And it just becomes like the weirdest possible manifestation of itself where only the most tolerant people remain. And this is what happened here is he he was a guy who everybody would have benefited from him staying around and calling him on their shit. And because he left, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be too hard on him because I think part of it is you have to preserve your own mental health. And and when when you're around toxic people, like you just, you shouldn't be, but, but, but it it is just a true fact. I think that Victoria would have benefited from having someone like him around. Yeah, I agree. So, um, he then gives her a hug, which leads directly into horrifying, 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 horrifying. (laughs) I don't know why it's like such, I just love that writing, even though it's just the same word four times. It's so, it's so like, like you totally feel it, you know?
1: It's powerful. Rep- repetition is powerful. Yeah. Um, whenever you start repeating a word, the immediate reaction I think is why is this word being repeated? It's important. It's emphasized. Yeah. It it, it It's powerful. Um, I like it. Right. I, I mean, I hate it. I hate what's it, happening. Uh, yes. But I really like it.
0: Because her hair is falling out. Mm-hmm. And uh her her skin feels sunburned. And yeah. then she immediately becomes aware that she's surrounded by hurt, scared people, and she kind of mentally spirals out. And I think we can read between the lines and say that she's done that Victoria spaces out thing, except for all we know she's like hyperventilating and 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 like very visibly freaking out and and then she kind of comes to her senses when Jester has now showed up and is basically flanking her with with mike on the other side of her uh so yeah, yeah. it's 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 just it's really uh it's really sad
1: it is and I, like we talked about earlier the reason this scene works so well is is because of the contrast with the previous one victoria was calm we saw her smile she's in this conversation with a family member that isn't going to end in like God, people people saying things like mom the fuck up or stuff like that like right. like it's it, it it's, so, it's such a change and then this all happens and it all comes crashing down. And w- one of the things I love most especially about the writing is how it emphasizes the feel of her hair in her hand. Um, there's this beautiful moment where I clenched my fist and I could feel strands of hair rubbing against strands of hair. That's such a small – like you think about it, like – you felt that before, right? If you have hair in your hand sure, and you sure. like, move your hand around, they rub yeah. together and you, you can actually feel that. But yeah. it's just a small – little detail that shows her just like how aware she is of that like i i this is so powerful and i mean it, it is the hair just starts the ball rolling right like it's it's the thing that finally breaks her everything else where there's like look at this like we're fucked it's over like here's all these injured people everyone's barely hanging on my fucking hair's falling out what's i'm hurt and what was all that for Parian and 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 Foyle's relationship might be permanently ruined other people are barely hanging on people are dead what was it for nothing it was for a draw a draw in a in a long conflict that cannot end by definition like the way it is right now and oh my god uh-huh. oh my god
0: yeah it's, it's, I, I, this is one of those moments where I'm just like, man, I, I want to know where she goes from here. Like, I yeah. mean, I'm, 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 I always want to read the next chapter as soon as the chapter finishes. Um, but this is one where I was just like, oh man, like, I, I need it. I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Jester then kind of grounds her, right? He gives her, he gives her what he basically goes down the checklist of what she described as being, uh, the protocol for how to deal with a person having a, a panic attack. But, Uh, I think what's interesting and other people have pointed this out is that is that it looks similar to a master stranger protocol assessment. Yeah,
1: it is interesting because we get in the previous chapter, we get the moment where she does she does this grounding thing for switch hitter. But then, yeah, in this moment, we do have this this little beat of master stranger to kind of remind the audience that one of the ways to test for master stranger is to say, hey, tell me about a time that you remember the two of us. Um, Mm -hmm. What was that like? And yeah, I mean, I don't like I do honestly like she's spiraling here and it does serve to ground her. So like, sweet. That's awesome. Thank you, Jester. But yeah, I mean, I I also have trouble being like, well, we just had this beat of Master Stranger and it is very close to that. What was that to remind us? So in this moment, we're like, oh, she just got Master Strangered. I don't know.
0: I, I don't know either, and that's 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 why that's one of, this is one of the things that makes me want to read the next chapter because <laughs> um like we it could be either it could be could just be he's grounding her he's a nice guy yeah. but it definitely is it definitely reminds you of that thing that just happened
2: yeah yeah
0: um j- just before we before we kind of approach the end um her foot is probably broken so she's. Probably been flying like everywhere, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are times when it specifically mentions she's floating around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there are times when it says she, like when she walks into the church and or is being led by the doctor or the nurse, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, "I took two steps and then it just, I just fuck this. I floated." Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't always point it out, but I think every moment where we see her walking, she's probably not walking.
0: Yeah. Right. So the chapter wraps up as the book essentially comes full circle. Back to chapter one with her meeting up with her old patrol block crew, Mm -hmm. Gilpatrick, Jester, and even Camisola, who is a character from the first chapter. Indeed. And there's this really interesting interaction at the end where Gilpatrick is like, how are you managing? And she responds, how the hell are you guys managing? (laughs) Gil glanced at Jester, then at Camisola. Guess that's answer enough, he said, which was fucking unfair of him. When he didn 't end up answering my question <laughs> I love um, this
1: moment I love this moment how how yeah. you, how you how you holding how, up Victoria? Well, how the fuck are you holding up? yeah because right. I mean what we didn't say, but she 's looking at these people, and what she sees in them is people that are uh concerned are tired um maybe a little bit worried, but completely different from the way the capes look. She sees the capes as people on the verge of collapse, like everything's fucked. Every like, everything's ruined, and then she looks at these people, these people that don't even have powers, and they're just like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, right, same old shit, right, right. I mean, I, disasters.
1: I, I do think that's what it is. I do think that's what it is. Like, how does how does she feel right now? Uh, yeah. Powerless. Um, yeah, she feels like nothing she can do can fix anything. Which is how um, they've always felt. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they are these I mean, there
1: are these big hulking super powered monsters that they can't. Hope to defeat, right? Uh huh. All they um, can
0: do is just try to clean up the damage.
1: Yeah, this is for for humans. Uh
0: huh. Sta- this is status quo, Victoria. It's
1: fucking Tuesday. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I think that I think that's absolutely what this moment is. But it's just so funny to me. It's just so funny to me how she handles this. Like, it, it, it ties into kind of her anti-human biases here, where they're just like he just asked a question, like. How you doing? How you holding up? Right. How are you holding? How are you managing? Right. And they're like, okay, well, that answers <laughs> that answers that question.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I I really like it. I I think it's a it's it's like we see her spiral and then jester manages to like pull her back from the brink i think like whether it was master stranger or not he does center her he does ground her and he brings her slightly back she's still not doing great but he does bring her back and there's this moment of these are people that like at the very beginning of the book she had a lot of respect for and i still i still think she does but just like that that the way to phrase that statement is just uh-huh. so inherently insulting. Like, yeah, the capes aren't holding up. Well, how the fuck are you? Yeah. Like,
0: right. It, it's a bit rude to say how the hell are, I mean, cause I don't necessarily read it as like a friendly, sarcastic. How the hell are you guys managing? Nah, I, nah, I, I read it nah. as a, like, I'm a bit, I'm a bit incensed that I'm look at me and look at you, you know? Yeah. Um, so as we, as we look back over this chapter, Um, I think you and I probably tried to map every possible person, symbol, or thought (laughs) from this chapter onto something in chapter one. That's true. Like at one point, I was comparing um, Titan Scotty to the car that crashes into the monument.
1: Yeah, I think that was a stretch, Matt.
0: And and this is just an example. That's just a sample (laughs) of, of my thought process today. Um, But I mean, clearly there are some connections. I I don't think everything in this chapter is a is a perfect um, parallelism in in a sort of eclipse arc fashion where where almost everything maps onto something. Um, But 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 there's like there is a sense of coming full circle here, definitely. And in some of these settings and images and people.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And the the thing that I'm still not I, I still don't have a firm grip on is the why, right? Uh, we talked about this at the very beginning of the show. I still don't even know if I'm there. I mean, besides just the general feeling of things are coming full circle, um, I, 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 I haven't gotten a grip on why are we why are we mirroring these beats? Why why does this feel like an echo? And it's, uh-huh. it's not the same echo because things are happening differently, right? Like the first time she met Shortcut, that interaction didn't go that terribly. Right. It, In
0: it, fact, it, it went really well. I went yeah. back and looked at it and He only turns on her when he much later finds out that she's a cape. Yeah,
1: but this time, instantly bad. At the beginning, she opened her phone, read the text messages, and had a text conversation with her mother. Doesn't do that in this chapter. Um, The whole Uncle Mike thing is almost like the inverse of the last of of the barbecue. She talks to the one person she really didn't acknowledge or see at all. Um, It is is the same but different. Um, Yeah in interesting ways. And we haven't gotten to the community center yet. Presumably we will get there next chapter, but I think we need to pay attention to how, how those beats, maybe it'll become more apparent. Maybe this time next week, it will be like, Oh, of course it was this look, here's this beat that kind of reveals it all. But yeah. Um, until then we can only just say, it seems like we're, we're echoing a little bit here.
0: Yeah. And, and just for posterity, I just, I think this, this will be enjoyable to, you know, people listening and then maybe it just kind of captures something of the feeling of keeping up with a web serial live, because when you think there's something going on, but you're not sure what you will go in some directions, my friend. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is my short list of the, of the possibilities that I considered uh, and, and mostly rejected. (laughs) Uh, Number one, Victoria is dead and a ghost. Number two, Victoria already went Titan and everyone is just pretending that she's fine. Number three, Victoria's aura is doing something. Number four, Waste has joined the network with Fumehood, and she's now, she's now in communication with her. Victoria is in a parallel dimension, and that's why things feel a little bit weird. <laughs> Mike is not actually there. This is a hallucination. This whole chapter is actually Waste's point of view. This isn't precisely Waste's point of view, but a lot of Victoria's thoughts are Waste's. I actually think that's just true. Uh, the Titans aren't even actually there. It's all just sharded news hallucinations. <laughs>
1: You didn't share that one with me.
0: <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. And then this one wasn't mine. This one came from Feridian and uh, Via Ovid in, in a thread somewhere. Uh, the radiation actually comes from her phone, and uh, they're trying to assassinate the capes. <laughs> or the, radi- the radiation comes from the eye cam, and Kenzie made a terrible mistake.
1: Okay, that's there a lot. That's Those a are lot. all the
0: things that I considered. I'm not going to say I believe all of them at the same time. Cause that that would be wrong. Yeah. Um, but, but I, but I like, I'm just kind of giving a sample of like what, what keeping up with a, with a story will kind of put you through sometimes. Yeah.
1: It's a unique experience, right? Like, like, like we said last week, we'll know the answers. We'll know all of what you just said is wrong. Maybe next week, <laughs> maybe two <laughs> weeks from now. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but right now we're in this, in this beautiful middle area where we just don't know. And it's exciting to be there. I, I, I want to talk to you. We didn't really talk about the hair falling out and the burn no, the sunburns um no we didn't because obviously the arc is called radiation so the brain immediately says oh that sounds like radiation sickness that sounds like uh-huh. what happens with radiation sickness and if we say that yes that's what this is then we have to further ask the question well where'd that came come from um if it's not the phone or the eye cam where did it come from um and there's so many little beats and clues around here like the uh i believe the the effect when oberon like makes things float so he can use them is like this greenish yellow
0: uh-huh.
1: effect on them and i'm like hmm, what about that um the victoria is basically covered in fume hood smoke while she's hanging out on her shoulder right. there's all different things that could end up being a link to this i think the most promising one for me is that dip into the shard world right like yeah like if we look at is this happening to other people? We don't know enough yet. But is this is this something that's uniquely happening to Victoria or is it happening to other people? If it is unique to Victoria, what has Victoria done that no one else has done that we know of? And that's going for a dip in Shardland.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're talking about a, a hole between dimensions like mm-hmm. that's got to have some some weird shit going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think one of the theories I didn't even write down was that the radiation came from um, fume hood and that, that that it was really a tragic and terrible choice to go sit on her shoulder for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I um, hope that's yeah. not the case.
1: I mean, and, and then, I mean, there's the really juicy ideas where you can just say, this is what happens when you connect with your shard to the level that victoria is it's it doesn't even have to be related to the shard world itself it's just a long a long-term effect of the the connection that they have and and that is juicy to me because it's she loves this connection right we've established in this chapter that she looks at her her a member of her family who's reaching out who's holding out her hand and she says no but she says, yes, many hands of shard. I, I need you. I need you. And I'm not willing to do anything that risks that. And then if we say, OK, well, to keep having this, to keep, to retain this control, to retain this connection, your body is going to change. It's going to collapse. It's like. Do you, do you still want that? That has yeah. interesting implications to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you've joined me over here at the chocolate counter <laughs> and I can. And there's a lot of different flavors that I think you should sample with me. I
1: like, I like the dark chocolate. What does Uh, that mean?
0: Uh, you know, I accept all, all chocolate lovers in, in my buffet here. Okay, great. Great. That's, that's it. That's it. We did it. I think that's it. I think that's it. I enjoy, I definitely enjoyed the going off on wild ass tangents. We don't usually do that, but, um, sometimes you just have to.
1: You do. And I I think it's fun. I think, I hope, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I think it's fun. I think it'll be fun. A year from now to go back and listen to those things and just be like,
0: (laughs) a ghost, a ghost, Matt. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A ghost.
1: Or a ghost. How did he do that?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's not actually there. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Discussion question from last week was, give an example of how Wild Bill communicates escalating stakes through writing choices. Vice Versailles said, remember reading the Leviathan arc for the first time and just watching the deaths rack up? Remember Taylor trying and failing to save Chubster's life? Remember Armsmaster talking mad game before suddenly second triggering into Arm Master? That. That's a good example of communicating escalating stakes. I agree. A lot of people actually mention Leviathan fight in different ways, and we'll, we'll get to those. Um, but, uh, yeah, really good uh, example. Love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, we have Steven who says, The main way I think Wildbow escalates tension is by conveying the gradual understanding that sinks in the... That sinks in that the world won't go back to the way it was even if the good guys come out on top. The cities that the Embringer's attacks would never be the same after. The multiverse Earth will never fully recover from Scion. The Titans, well, something game-changing will have to happen to restore the world to any sense of safety or normalcy. Yeah, but that's true. It's like part of stakes are consequences. and right. Establishing that win or lose, there will be a change uh, is really good way to establish those stakes.
0: One way in which this defies normal superhero conventions is that it kind of does tend to feel that in superhero stories, everything always gets rolled back. Yeah, and shit never gets rolled back in Parahumans. Nope. Extas nouveau says the cafeteria scene. Uh, we have the scene itself from people, uh, from people observation over high school drama and an escape plan situation to a hostage scenario, and finally a small revolution. And then the scene as a theme. The white hats do not care about the rules anymore. The white hats risk a school of children. The people side with the actual helping party. Heroes are useless. Skidder lost his retreat, etc. Um, the scene was just wow, and I remember that the aftermath was a bit underwhelming for me back then. I mean, the escalation came just a bit later than I thought it would be. Yeah, um, I like I like that because I mean Taylor. The whole thing about Taylor is she she gets into every. Um, um or rather her way of getting out of a bad situation is to make everything infinitely more complicated and dangerous um so obviously that's why she's called the queen of escalation mm-hmm. and and yeah that's a perfect example of of her doing that so
1: yeah i like that a whole bunch and i just love that scene yeah Plastic Swordfish says, it might not be conventional escalation, but I'm going to go with Taylor's sanity slipping during the final arc of Worm. It kept up the feeling of raising stakes, even though we were already seeing the biggest possible fight, by adding a race against time and the chance of a personal tragedy for Taylor and her friends. The gradualness of it really helped sell it, so that by the end, I really believe Taylor could be unsavable or accidentally kill the remaining people she cared about. I don't think we would have that would have worked if she'd instantly gone berserk the second Amy touched her, or if it had been a standard superheroes fight over a misunderstanding thing yeah that's a good point um that right. actually that actually makes me think of what it was probably like to read worm to read that arc where we are slowly watching taylor's transformation as chapters are coming out week to week i think if we were recording that show we would have an episode like this where we're like what's going on with taylor
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely remember reading it the first time and and the, the bits where like teachers using words that don't make any sense and, and i'm just like uh, Wildbo, did Wildbo forget how to speak English and, and then you realize that no Taylor forgot how to speak English
1: yeah that's the logical conclusion yeah <laughs> the right. writer forgot the language <laughs> they're writing in
0: yeah yeah I'm not proud <laughs> Uh, <so laughs> Anti Chris uh, says 18.6 is his example uh, shows Parian first crossing a line by using the fallen heroes costumes before crossing the final line and using their skin so many authors would have skipped that first one, simply having Parian do the skin monster. But no, Wild establishes that leather is Parian's best material, then draws our attention to the idea of scavenging the dead capes as a resource while establishing that Parian is willing to do that, uh, is willing to do that, sorry, while establishing that Perian is willing to do what many there will consider to be a violation of fallen heroes, all before her next, uh, her big skin monster play." Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's sl- slightly different act than, than I tend to think of escalation, but it is a kind of building up to something. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is. I, I like that because you could just raise the stakes mm-hmm. or you could raise the stakes. Right. <laughs> and and we you know, we talked about the reason this works so much is exactly for the reasons that Antichris is saying here that like it's it's we see the steps to mm-hmm. We see each step she takes to walk up to that line before yeah. she crosses it. And it, it makes it feel right. like it makes it, 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 it the action rises <laughs> right. and and we we approach this moment. And by the time we're there, we know that she's going to do it um, and it's going to be horrible.
0: Right. And, and I would say, like, if, if you had to point out what are the stakes, the stakes are everyone's uh, the stakes are basically parian's fear that everyone is going to judge her and think differently of her after this. Yeah. And that is actually what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So um it's 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 very very personal and human stakes in contrast to the the epic, you know, science fiction thing that's happening in the foreground. So I, yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, David Hunt focuses on the accumulation of Victoria's physical injuries. Many fights have added to the cumulative damage and the damage sticks around. Her catalog of injuries communicate the stakes of the game that Victoria has dealt herself into. We also get hints that the and then outright statements about what a terrible patient she is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's funny.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and those injuries stick around. She still complains about getting shot. Uh, Right.
0: Yeah, I feel like all of her extremities have been injured at this point.
1: Yep, pretty much. That, that uh, poor foot, it was, that was her good foot. Yeah, that, that
0: was the last, last thing she had was a foot. <laughs> yeah. MTV C Grid says, Wildbow does a lot to show things escalating on ever greater scales and scopes. The relative importance of the main character's personal struggles gradually shrinks relative to the global and multiversal consequences, but simultaneously the main characters begin to define the shape of the world to come. Um, I think this is true in both stories, you know, like like, yes, uh, this started out as a very kind of close neighborhood level battle uh, uh, superhero story. So did Worm. And now we're on these, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous stakes. But the main characters remain central to things. And it, and it, it's um yeah, it works really well. It, it, yeah. it, it's, it's a good formula, I think.
1: I think that's a hard thing to do. It's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do to elevate your your thing to global scale to this global scale while still finding a reason for why your, your protagonist is at the center of it. Especially, especially if you want to by design, start small and then escalate up to it because like you, you constantly have to ever at every point along the way, you have to find a way to justify why, why Taylor, why do people care? Like why, why, why is she here in this moment? Mm-hmm. Why is Victoria here? Why does this right. matter? And you have to find an in-story reason for why that is. And I think both of these stories do that very successfully um, for for different reasons. I mean, I think Taylor's is because that's just her personality. She's gonna put herself there. She's gonna be at, if she hears the world is ending in two years, she's gonna be there. Even if even if she wasn't told that she was there, she's mm-hmm. gonna be there. Um, Victoria is kind of just by the nature of you know answer seeking Mm -hmm. um she's going to push herself into those moments if if there's big if there's big unanswerable questions about the nature of powers the nature of shards the nature of this entire existence victoria is going to be at the center of that because she cares about that more than just about anyone
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no i I, very true yeah the 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 reason why the character is still central at the end of the story is actually core to how that character is constructed and so it feels very consistent
1: yep and core to what the story is trying to say uh with that character yes yep. uh where are we sure. sarah Ping penguin talks about weaver dice specifically the version in worm taylor gives a sense of the heavy risks involved by giving deadly outcomes relative relatively high likelihoods that's true that's true that's, to children yeah. though taylor they're they're just <laughs> children
0: right um but but it, you know it conveys it conveys the seriousness of the world very concretely that she's like yeah look like Villains very likely to die. Everyone, every Cape very likely to die. This is true. And we've seen this in the story and you're like, oh shit, that's true. You, yeah. you, you feel it in the moment. Mm-hmm. SNES C talks about the Leviathan fight and being surprised that Empire 88 showed up. It really sold what a huge threat the inbringers were to the point where some of the most wanted villains in the city were showing up to do their part. Yeah, absolutely. Right.
1: That's a that's, fantastic point. I, I, I don't remember what we said about this, but like this, this, just a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you basically expressed like genuine surprise, like wow, like these guys are here, like that. I didn't think they would show up, and it's like, yeah, well, that shows you how how serious this threat is considered, and mm-hmm. there's not going to be a city left if they don't fight him off. So they yep. have to. Yeah. Yep. All right, good good answers. We love it. Um, I, I understand that was maybe a a harder question than usual. Um, so I really appreciate everyone's answers.
1: Yeah, thank you for taking the time, everyone.
0: Um. So. Yeah, so it's question for this next week. Tell us about a time Wildbo used an unusual technique to let us know how a character was doing emotionally.
1: I like this question a whole bunch. I think this is another challenging one, but I am very excited to see y'all's answers.
0: Yeah, I usually feel good about a question when I think of it and then I can think of a few examples relatively easily. And I'm like, okay, sure. then, then people will surely think of more than I was able to think of.
1: So. Oh, absolutely. They always do.
0: Yeah, and that's all we've got for you this week on We've Got Ward. You guys are all part of this show, so feel free to provide us with advice, questions, or thoughts on this week's reading.
1: You can reach us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com or over on our Twitter account at gotwormpod. My personal Twitter is at scottdaily85, and Matt's is at moradinamail. I have to do it right every once in a while so people can actually find you on Twitter.
0: I I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) Moradinamail ghost. Um... (laughs) If you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward, we strongly recommend you do so and never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts.
1: And as always, you can find this and all the other shows we do over at our website, doofmedia.com. That's where you will find Do The Right Thing, host of the Doof The Right Thing contest we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, We've heard us talk about the show before. It's great. If you're a writer, which you might be if you listen to the show, or if you read this book and you want to yeah, flex your writing skills and maybe win some, some prizes, listen to Do the Right Thing, participate in Do the Right Thing.
0: Just one, yeah, one thing maybe I could have mentioned earlier was that it's a 2,000 word uh, upper limit, which is really not a very long story. So
1: Yeah, that's like one eight thousandth of <laughs> one chapter in a Wild Bow story. Yeah,
0: you really have no excuse not to submit an entry is what I'm saying, yeah. talking to you. To Jeff,
1: yeah. <laughs> Why do we always end our show personally attacking the people it, that listen
0: to us? It's a thing now. <laughs> um. Yes. So yeah. Uh, if you like any of these Doof shows and you want to support them, consider donating to our Patreon account on Patreon.com/slash/DoofMedia. This is what funds these awesome contests that we're able to do that we're so excited to do. Um, you can donate a, a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford. Supporting us on Patreon gives you tons of great bonuses, like the ability to vote in fan art contest and this uh, upcoming writing contest, uh, hangout sessions um, with the Doof Crew, access to live streams of our recording sessions, and our excellent Discord channel. And as always, of course, donate to Wildo at Patreon.com/Wildo. Uh, this is his world; we are just playing in it. Special thanks. This week, the new patrons, Bidoofs, Stephen M., and the Alpha Spam. Thank you so much. We really appreciate Yeah, thanks, appreciate
1: guys. We Really, really appreciate that. And of course, if you cannot afford to donate right now, that is absolutely okay. There are tons of ways to help us out. Heading on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anywhere else that has reviews and leaving one of those reviews, hit that five star button, write some nice words about us or some mean words. That's fine. Um, we have we have a new review. We haven't had a new review in a while, Matt. Oh my God! We have a new review from MC Minty Spice from Canada. Okay. Who says two brilliant hosts? Wow, thank you. Show the beauty of the best superhero story. Wild Bows Parahumans is dis- dissected by two witty and analytical friends. Join Scott making insane predictions and freaking out about morality. He's had that in quotes and Matt expertly playing a poker poker face. They delve into the smartest deconstruction of the super superhero genre with insight and in, infinitely creative world building, deeply empathetic character writing and a lot of thought put into the question. Why is the power to control bugs terrifying <laughs> jokes aside? Matt and Scott have helped me truly elevate my appreciation for, for what already is my favorite web serial. They do excellent close readings and explain exactly what's do, doing right I can't read today in an amazing series. I wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone who reads Parahumans, especially because you can listen to it as you read along. Well, MC Minty Spice, I love your name and thank you for that review. We really, yeah. really appreciate it.
0: Well, how do people write such good reviews?
1: I don't know. I, 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 it is my everlasting shame that as much as I ask people to review my podcasts, I don't, I don't do the same. I, I yeah. do review. I'll leave them five stars. But I'm always like, what do I say? It's good. It's good.
0: I think I've reviewed like one podcast. I really need to stop being a hypocrite and, and get yeah, on that. I need
1: to just. And the problem is the the iTunes interface for reviewing is just that's, so awful.
0: That's that's the problem. It's that's terrible. all. That's the only reason. But <laughs> yeah, we really, really, really love it. That we really appreciate that. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you so much. That's all we've got for you this week. Next week we find out uh, what the fuck's going on with Victoria.
1: Will we? Though,
0: will we? that I hope so